You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Uh, my lovely friend Bert, who does the voiceover for oh, that Bert. every week. Oh, yeah. you, know you remember Bert, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he cuts your hair. I think yeah. that's every... Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number 156 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me, as always, in the kitchen studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Well, hello there. Hello there. We've had a, an eventful start to the show It's been an eventful start to the show. We're only a few minutes late. It's approaching 20 past seven. Mm. It is the 17th of March 2017. It's a Friday night. Uh, and I'm very excited because there's a certain rugby match taking place today Oh, I thought you were going to say something interesting <laughs> then. Oh, come on. Heaven forbid you should actually say something remotely interesting. Dude, I do an aviation podcast every day. I never say anything interesting. Rugby. <laughs> I'd rather anyway. I'd rather listen to paint dry than listen to or watch rugby. Right. Anyway, okay. uh, I, I think I feel you may be in a minority of that as we introduce our plethora of wonderful guests. I know we have yeah. got uh, we have got a huge amount of guests. Uh, with one who's fallen offline. One who's fallen offline whilst the opening credits were running, yes, which is always uh, nice. So, we'll, so we're just luck with that. But yeah. uh, we'll uh, we'll start we'll with soldier uh, on anyway. We'll soldier on. We'll start <laughs> with our first guest then, who's joining us this week. He's been away for a while. It's probably because he's been uh, flying to various uh, wonderful destinations in and around. Europe, and it's our very good friend, Captain <laughs> Al. Aww. A very good evening, a very good morning, a very good afternoon to where you ever happen to be. <laughs> and how's things with you, Al? You've uh, you've been uh, you've been offline a bit for a while. You've been sort of busy on it. Yeah, it just just happens to have been that I've done a, a run of flights that have tended to start in the afternoon and take me into the night. And typically, you guys and APG have been doing their shows. Uh, during the sort of afternoon and, and evening, so I've just tended to miss them. Uh, I've kind of kind of picked up for them during the course of the week, but I've not been able to do it live. So it's nice to be able to join everybody, uh, minus Pip, who's you know got another fifty pence in the meter <laughs> again. The connection, but it's been nice to uh, to join you guys for a change. And uh, hoping for a great show. Good, especially good. if Pip's going to stay away. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's lovely it. to have you on as always, Al. <laughs> So our next guest oh, on no the show this week <laughs> is uh, <laughs> is someone you should all know and love. Uh, he's the uh, host of the uh, Plane Safety Podcast, our good friend, Pilot Pip. Hello. <laughs> Sorry about that. Put some more coins in the thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, hi. Thanks. Hi, everyone in the chat room. Hi, Myla. Hi, uh, that other guy there with the grey hair, Matt right. Carlos. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> And uh, how are things with you, uh, Pip? I see you've got a rather droopy uh, light fitting a, behind a, a you, just to the left one. of your bed. <laughs> well, you know that. Well, he's forty now. Things start to deteriorate. <laughs> oh yeah. no! It happens to everyone, Carlos. <laughs> oh, you can get uh, tablets for it, though. Oh, how's, how's the uh, how's the flying going, Pip? Yeah, not bad, thanks, mate. I'm in uh, Zurich at the moment. Just flew in a couple of hours ago from Nice. Uh, very quiet day. Just one flight. They say very nice straightforward. What's the uh, what's the aircraft of choice today, Pip? Uh, same as always, the old hawker. Oh, you've still, oh. still got you've still got the hawkers then. They're not all still they're not got all the hawker, gone yeah, for the time being. Oh, I know. I'm clinging on like this. They're, they're trying to pull me off. But, <laughs> oh, hang on, let me rephrase that. Careful, family <laughs> show, <laughs> family show. They're, they're trying to yank me. No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean. 
Oh, anyway. Something about not wanting to Bond, leave yeah, the air, he, your aircraft. He loves, haw- he loves hawking everywhere. It's splendid. I, I beg know. your pardon. <laughs> Don't you start. Thank, thank you, Matthew. couldn't <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> moving on quickly. Moving on quickly. <laughs> and obviously, we, we've got a third guest joining us on the show this evening. And, uh, well, we thought we'd save the best till last. Yeah. It's uh, our, one of our greatest listeners who uh, who joins us every week, and uh, and she's also a fantastic pilot as well. Oh, you see. So welcome onto the show, Myla. Hi. Yay! Thank you for having me. And, Always a pleasure. Uh, I hope you're all doing well and having a good time. Oh yes, and, uh, we're definitely having a good show. time. <laughs> good. It's, it's nice, nice for you, uh, nice for you to join us this evening, Myla. And uh, with yeah, your with your snacks girl, and tea, girl, I, will I know. Mile is going to be uh, keeping an eye on uh, on Al and Pip, especially Al. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So so Myla is our referee for the evening. I think because <laughs> I've already lost control. We've, we're only like five minutes in, and I've already lost control of the show. You know what they say? Well, they no say yellow cards have been issued yet. No, so no, no. It's all right. Myla's got the yellow cards longer. and red ones. So do I get to keep track of who wins? Uh, ooh, yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. the decision will be yours. I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> they, you know what they say? They say all great podcasts should have a, a great uh, female moderator guest host because <laughs> the APG have got Doctor Steph, have, so, we, yeah. so we've got Myla. Mm, absolutely, we have this week. Oh, but I, I'm in no way compared to Doctor Steph. I mean, she's just way out of my league. Honestly, absolutely. that that, oh. that shot is terrifying. It's like the Brady Bunch. There, oh look. no! Look, yeah. <laughs> Got all three of them lined up nicely. Anyway, so the yeah. uh, for what we've got, we've got, we've got what we've got this week. We've got uh, we've got loads of great commercial news stories this week. We've also mm-hmm. got uh, two top tens at the end. Have we? Uh, mm, which, bet, uh, which are quite nice. So better Matt's work out music, music for that for one. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, some voice feedback from uh, our listener, lovely listener Jenny mm-hmm. uh, in Rome. Uh, oh. She sent us some voice be- uh, feedback about her visit back to the UK. She came back, <gasps> came back to the uh, this area mm. for uh, a visit a few weeks back so she sent us some feedback and we've also got a couple of little bits of military news and uh, yeah, we're going to have a good catch up with uh, with our guests and see mm. what they've been up to in okay. the uh, last few weeks so we are going to start the show then, as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK so if you're ready Matt yes I am yes 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 and if you're ready Pip certainly am and Al uh, yeah I think so and Myla <laughs> absolutely let's go so kicking off this week's first oh. news story <laughs> thanks was that pip that was definitely pip really that was Al. Oh, I was oh. going to blame Al on everything. Oh, dear. We'll just blame Al. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, so kicking off this week's first news story. This one is on the telegraph.co.uk website, and it's bad news if you're a vegetarian. I'm not. Are you, Matt? No, no. don't be ridiculous. So the, the, <laughs> is, that uh, not, is that vegetarians are bad news? Yes, I, really I, I think so, yes, personally. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so the headline, vegetarians will never get a free airline upgrade, former flight attendant claims. Ooh. So the free upgrades is the holy grail of air travel, all the premium wine and leg room you can handle without coughing up a small fortune for the privilege. Uh, they've uh, previously outlined in detail what passengers can do to increase the chances of scooping one or more uh, of these wonderful upgrades. But no, until now, they've never considered that a passenger's dietary requirements could make any difference. 
Uh, Nick Lucas, a former Qantas flight attendant and author of the Plain Food blog in-flight feed, claims that anyone with a special meal request, be it vegetarian, kosher or otherwise, uh, can wave goodbye to their hopes of a move to business class. If there's a special meal request in your booking, the airline won't even look at your uh, look at you for an upgrade. He told Business Insider, because you've got a dietary requirement, and they might not be able to cater for you if they upgrade you. Uh, the Telegraph uh, put the claim to six different carriers. Uh, so far, only Qantas and Virgin have responded, and their comments should reassure all veggies out there that this isn't true. Dietary requirements have no impact on upgrades, says Virgin, uh, a spokesperson or spokeswoman from Virgin. Uh, if a customer orders a special dietary meal, we can serve it in, in, in any cabin. Uh, Qantas added, this is untrue, and the type of meal our customers order has no bearing on their ability to be upgraded. If the upgrade is awarded, the special meal request will be provided to them in their new cabin. Uh, so there we go. I mean, I've, I've had a free upgrade, but I, you know, I enjoyed the business class meal I had with Emirates. It was very nice. Mm, yeah. Get you. Get but you. Uh, yeah, worrying if you're if you're a vegetarian, then it, um, well, that's true. But uh, it seems like you'll be let. You know, you get the meal anyway, just yeah. not as. Posh. This is one of those classic stories that isn't a story, really, is yeah. it? Because yeah, they've, they, they've written the story, and then they've asked for the facts. And the airlines have gone, no, that's not true. So they've still published it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they obviously had a few column inches that needed to be dealt with. So they thought, well, we'll run it anyway with a little bit of the saying. Basically, the airline denied it. A question <laughs> question to both uh, Pip and Al then. Uh, being, being airline pilots and captains and whatever, do you, do you guys get wonderful upgrades when you go and fly with all these other airlines? <laughs> Frequently. Do you, Al? Infrequently. Mm. Oh, Pip doesn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, poor Pip. Is it a case of just ask and uh, you may get, Al, or, or do you sort of pre-request um, well, or I mean, friends in high probably places? Probably it's fair to say that, you know, Pip is the king of the swingers and I was the king of the blaggards. Because, <laughs> okay. Um, when we, uh, when, when Royal Jack used to do a fairly comprehensive long-haul product, we used to... Uh, end up having to position as an entire crew, which would be anything up to 16 of us, to various parts of the world. Um, and sometimes uh, our crew travel department would book uh, the pilots, and sometimes the purser into business class, and the rest of the crew into economy. Sometimes we were just all sort of in economy. So if that was the case, um, then it would be down to uh, Muggins here to go and see what we could blag. And uh, I was quite successful in blagging uh, upgrades for myself and and the the rest of the the senior crew. To uh, and we got managed to get into first class on a few occasions. So uh, it is kind of one of those areas of not so much what you know as who you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, I, I've been reasonably successful in that. Myla, have you ever had a chance to get one of a nice free upgrade at all on an airline? No. No. When I was a kid, I did get a coloring book, though. So that oh. kind of looks great. <laughs> okay, then. You can't go wrong with a coloring book. No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Matt, the next story is, uh, yes. is your favourite, as always. Is it? Mm. Right, okay, let me guess. It must be. Oh, yes, there's a surprise. So, this is on the mail, the dailymail.co.uk, and the headline is Fly to the US with Ryanair, but you'll have to transfer to another budget airline and land 60 miles outside of New York City. <laughs> Nothing unusual. 
usual lair. So holidaymakers will soon be able to book trips to America with Ryanair, although New York-bound travellers may have to land some 60 miles from the city. The low-cost airline is teaming up with the budget rival Norwegian to offer long-distance trips from this summer. So that's happening quite soon. Uh, Customers will be able to book cheap flights from a range of UK airports, destinations such as Boston, New Jersey and New York with Norwegian. Bookings will be made on the website of either firm with a single ticket and customers will transfer at connecting airports. Passengers' baggage will be automatically transferred between the planes. While routes are yet to be finalised, possible options include flying from regional British airports to Edinburgh, um, London Gatwick, Cork, Barcelona, or uh, or Bar- sorry, or Barcelona with Ryanair. Then boarding a Norwegian flight on to uh, Stuart International Airport, uh, TF Green Airport, or JFK International Airport. Stuart is in New York State, some 60 miles north of Manhattan, while TF Green is about 63 miles from Boston. Allowing customers to book transatlantic flights is a significant development for Ryanair as it tries to attract more customers from upmarket rivals. The deal is mutually beneficial for both airlines and will help open up Norwegians rapidly expanding US routes to more airports across Europe at a low cost while also guaranteeing higher price seats to Ryanair whose chief executive Michael whose chief executive is Michael O'Leary. A Ryanair spokesman said given that we are we have the largest route network in Europe it's a logical move and a very attractive proposition for long haul carriers. Norwegian boss Bjorn Koss said that the tie-up was a natural fit for the airline which was close to 500 which has close to 500 routes in Europe compared to Ryanair's network of over 2000 he added that the airline is open to doing a similar deal with EasyJet although talks are still ongoing the feeder flights are timetabled to launch this summer provided both companies overcome the final hurdle of aligning their computer systems the tie-up is likely to be another blow for so-called legacy airlines which have struggled to match Ryanair and Norwegian's rock-bottom fares. The average Ryanair flight costs £85.10, and whilst the average Norwegian flight costs £96.22. and The average British Airways flight, however, costs £168.70, according to research by Skyscanner. A typical flight from London to New York costs upwards of £800. Ryanair calculate its average flight could be as low as £45. That's ridiculous. So we had talked about this on one of the other shows mm. I listened to earlier this week, actually, about the airlines that um, fly to the US but mm. got a few miles away from where you want to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a cheap flight somewhere, but then you've got to spend another $100 on mm. a cab to get to, uh, you know, to where they, where you, where you, where you want to Indeed. go. Indeed, yeah, um, absolutely. Do we think this Great Escape's actually going to work, though? Because, candidly, there's no track record for low-cost carriers being able to interline baggage between each other. And is the Norwegian flight going to wait for the Ryanair flights, the connecting flights? How are they going to to work this? It's quite easy internally Mm. to to make decisions such as this. But when you're talking about two different commercial entities, you know, I think this might be a bridge too far. I'm not quite sure. Well, it'll be interesting to see, won't it? Who knows? I mean... As I say, it's bad news for um, sort of the more established um, carriers, I suppose. But uh, surely, surely more competition in the transatlantic market has got to be seen as a good thing. Oh, there's there's building uh, building, uh, competition now, isn't there? We've got Norwegian, 
and wow yes. wow wow yes, yes, i mean wow we're going to be don't forget wow we're going to be doing their non-stop mm. flights to pittsburgh in june really yeah. oh it's a bit late then yeah but a bit late mind, for, yes, for the air show but there yeah, we go yeah. indeed so the next story moving on is uh oh, i can't remember who's up next now who would have put in the running order i don't know <laughs> this, I think it's al. Captain al with yeah, yeah captain al yeah this will be captain al okay. oh Hello, in true BBC fashion, I'm oh. being interrupted. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> Hi. Who needs who needs the BBC? Well, no, we've got our own. Absolutely. Perhaps yeah. we'll get over two million YouTube hits. We now. might do. Are we going to have well, somebody come screaming in now to sort of like pull him back out of the room? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to say anything? No. No, no okay, right. fair enough. Are you going to go to bed now? Bedtime? Alright. No. You're gonna watch TV. You're okay, watch... we'll swing the door then, swing the door. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Tell you, this live li- this is a live show at its best. Look. It is, absolutely. <laughs> That's what we like. Yeah. So Al right. the next story Moving is, on, is for you, Story Captain number Al. three <laughs> yeah, um, comes from Quartz, whoever they happen to be, Quartz Media. It's a story written by Leslie Joseph, who's obviously come across on hard times. Birds of a feather, <laughs> yeah, not doing so well absolutely. on BBC anymore. <laughs> so she's uh, taken to writing for Quartz Media. Mm. Um, but it is a good story. Um, and uh, regular viewers and listeners will see why very shortly. Uh, the story is that airlines give us plenty to be angry about. I'm not quite sure why that would be. <laughs> be it frequent computer glitches. Or being treated like cattle once on board. Well, we don't put straw down. You know, we don't expect you to make your own bed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but one airline says it will reward travellers for keeping their cool. British budget carrier Monarch Airlines is offering free perks like early boarding or seats with extra legroom to travellers who are nice to its call centre staff. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Our customer services staff are already nice. Now they can reward those who are positively nice to them too, said Airline Chief Operating Officer, according to The Independent. The incentives don't cost the airline much. Early boarding on Monarch costs £5 or six US dollars and an extra legroom I presume you'd want probably room for two legs, well, but obviously. we won't get to that detail. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. It can cost around £10 or $12. Even if you played well with others at school, don't get your hopes up for that upgrade. The airline will only be offering these politeness perks on a maximum of 10 bookings a week, and only if the traveller rings the call centre. So it's tough luck to those who are left to resort to contacting the airline on Twitter, because no one is answering. Oh. Actually, that's not true. Monarch have a very good social media presence and are actually quite good at uh, dealing with Twitter, but that's aside. Aside from more legroom and a chance to beat the crush of your fellow holidaymakers for overhead bin space, politeness can often open doors with airline personnel. Do airlines do things wrong? Yes, at an Olympic level. Airlines lose your luggage, frequently cancel or delay their flights, and strand passengers miraculously delete seat selections made months ago. But remaining calm is far more effective and less scary to flight attendants than blowing your top. Last week, the captain of a Hawaiian Airlines plane, probably disconnected Pip at the same time, uh, (laughs) diverted the flight following a dispute with a passenger. Uh, uh, The flight crew over a £12 charge for a blanket. Now, to be honest, I can see where you're coming from, but it is part of the, the setup these days. 
if you want a cheap flight, then you're going to have to pay for certain things. In the past, airlines might have given you a free blanket. It was never free. They just charged you for it in your ticket price. Right. Okay. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> in which the passenger reportedly said he wanted to take someone behind the woodshed. I'm, the I'm sorry. What? Well, what are, you, what are they doing their own time? No, that, that, that's fine. But oh, no, you can't have that sort of behaviour on, on the aeroplane. So, uh, so good on Monarch for, uh, for rewarding niceness. Um, I think it would be... Absolutely brilliant thing in the aviation industry if we could all go back to being very gentlemanly and well behaved and go back to Mm. the more graceful times of airline travelling. I think, to be fair, a lot of it is nothing to do with the airlines and everything to do with the hideous people who are booking these flights in the first place. Because, I mean, you know, not being funny, in virtually all cases, the the crew and and the stewards and everything haven't really changed their approach Mm. in all this time. It's the way that the general public, if you like, behave is is what's changed so dramatically. And I have have to confess, when he said that last line there, I had to actually open the article to see what he meant i didn't realize that is actually in the article take somebody behind the woodshed there there is a there is a, that, yeah. a shocking <laughs> i thought al was up to his old tricks but there it, I, I apologize story, al, this, i'm very sorry <laughs> the story is very true that it does pay to be nice to the right people right okay. because you know when you're ringing up call centers or you're booking flights or even when you check in at an airport if you're if you're if you're polite and talk pips nicely back, everyone, to them, pips back. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know you you can you know sometimes get uh, you know an up, an upgrade mm. or something like that. So I yeah. think pips. Well, should the do thing me- is, behaviour can be can be you're making or you know the downfall of a person. Yet we've all had bad experiences in yeah, life. True. Yeah. But at the end of the day, on an airline, everybody is trying to make things as good as they possibly mm. can. We're not magicians. No. We can't you know perform miracles. No. So we will do what we can to make your you know, time on the aeroplane as comfortable as possible. Mm. But at the end of the day, if something's gone wrong, it has gone wrong. And, you know, airlines will apologize. But, you know, we have to be adults, you know, at the end of the day and accept that in life, you know, there are sometimes things that go wrong. I yeah. mean, I've had my luggage lost. Um, you know, it happens so to be did. with yeah. <laughs> a very, very prestigious airline. And they were extremely apologetic once they admitted that it had actually got lost. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, but, you know, you have to accept that everything in life has a degree of mm. risk. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And, uh, and uh, Pip, uh, did your bag ever turn up or is yeah, it still Yeah, because you, you lost a bag, Pip, not so long back with uh, an airline. Yeah, yeah, it turned up. It took a few days, but uh, I got it back eventually. <laughs> Bit of a Most drama. Most bags that get, get lost generally do actually make it. You know, they just get delayed a little bit as opposed to actually lost. Uh, mine was stolen in Johannesburg. Oh. Someone going around with my Welsh rugby top somewhere along the line <laughs> in Johannesburg. <laughs> so. that's, that's obviously because you have quality merchandise. Yes, he that's does, that's yeah. your trouble. You've got posh suitcases. That's your problem. <laughs> you, want, you want some tatty old sort of thing that you've had kicking around for 20 years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, enough. okay. So uh, the next story is uh, is for our lovely guest, Myla. Ah. Absolutely, it's the. Let me see. It's the history as Malawi's first ever flight operated by all female crew lands in Dar es Salaam. Ah. Uh, it's on the tuko.co.ke website, which I think is in Kenya, but I could be wrong. Anyway, the Malawian airline has landed a flight operated exclusively by women in Dar es Salaam, the first ever of its kind. Uh, women oversaw all aspects of the flight, including uh, cabin, cockpit, check-in, amongst others. 
Its aim was to encourage women and girls to pursue aviation. Malawian Airlines landed the historic flight operated exclusively by women in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania on Thursday. The flight was the first of its kind from Malawi's flagship carrier. Women oversaw all aspects of the flight, which flew from Blantyre, including cabin, cockpit, customer care, check-in, ground handling, and air traffic control. I think that last bit is really awesome. Um, was, the was, the, uh, was the baggage loaded by, by ladies, and uh, was the fueling <laughs> done by a lady as well? It says ground handling, so I'm assuming yes. Mm, that's Probably. a big, big assumption, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, Myla. Well, could be nice. Anyway, the flight's cockpit was under control of Malawi's first female captain, Yolanda Ndala Kunda, and her assistant, Sakelo. I'm not going to try and pronounce that last name, Aww. but she has a beautiful name, yes. Um, the aim of the flight was to encourage women and girls to take up careers in aviation and to exchange perceptions on that only men can succeed in that field so that's basically it yeah that's good that's good mm-hmm. news isn't it because there's been a few stories in the press over the last few months about all my all female there was a i think it was a um, pakistani airlines all female crew that went done a flight around the world right um which made well, it was international stories. Women's day recently wasn't yes, it yes it was yeah yeah and it i think either monday or tuesday somewhere well, yes, I mean, that, that's sometime recently. Yeah, yeah, that'll do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And, also, and also, don't for, also, don't forget as well, Miley, you're, you're having an all-female um, a, a, um, a, a simulator crew, aren't you? You said... Yes, uh, yeah. um, on Sunday, I'm going into the simulator, and the planning crew set us up with all girls, so that's pretty awesome. And I think our instructor will have a handful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Just I as have a matter- to say that all, all jokes aside, um, the, the, these stories are great because, as an industry, we do want to encourage more and more female pilots. Historically, it's been a very male-dominated world, um, and I think it's great that so many females are coming onto the the flight deck side of the the flight deck door. Um, so it, they, all jokes aside, they, they are good stories. Mm. Um, my only fear is that you know there's an over egging of the custard with these particular stories and that every airline now is trying to jump on the bandwagon of can we have an all-female crew now most of my female piloting colleagues largely don't want a big fuss made of it they just want to be accepted in the job that they do regardless of gender so it doesn't want to be the female pilot no, they it just shouldn't want be to be such a, a pilot yeah. although although captain jeff does yes, have a very captain, captain jeff has jeff. a very interesting <laughs> thing he says i wish this podcast was all women which i'm slightly offended by i'm not going to lie actually <laughs> just as a matter of interest uh, al has uh, royal jet got uh, any female uh, fo's or captains uh yes loads of them Oh, really? I didn't know that. Excellent. Good news. Yeah. Um, if you can ask me to put a number on it, I'd be struggling. Uh, we have uh, at least two female captains and probably somewhere between 10 and 15 female first officers. Oh, brilliant. Do you ever get the chance to fly fly you know, with those or are you, you don't have yeah, the same? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. Probably uh, at least once a month. Um, and I have to say that without exception, uh, 
they are very fine pilots, just like the guys that I fly with. Correct. How about uh, how about safe jets, uh, Pip? Hello, Pip. Can you hear me? Yes, no. we can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it went funny. Uh, yeah, we um, we have some. I wouldn't say loads. Probably a similar amount to uh, to Al's lot. Um, yeah, we've got some, and they're, uh, like Al said, they're all extremely capable people. Um, I've worked with many of them. They're perfectly um, joyous and, and uh, nice to fly with. It's uh, it's great. Yeah, we need more of them, of course. Mm. It's I don't know what the current ratio is. It's probably, I'm guessing, 5% or less, mm. maybe. Maybe a bit more, I'm not sure. But uh, it's, it's a very much male-dominated job, and there's yeah. no reason for that at all. No. So while you're there, Pip, the next story is yours. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> and this is called Why Private Jets Are More Affordable Than You'd Think. And this comes from TheMemo.com. Uh, and it says this. Make no mistake, a battle to be the Uber of the skies is underway. If you're not familiar with this hot new trend, high flyers are ditching private jets and instead opting for luxury flights on demand. You'll still need a fair amount of dollar for the pleasure, but if you're a frequent flyer, it means less hassle and could actually save you money. Uh, subscribing is sexy, apparently. In the past, CEOs may not have uh, batted an eyelid at owning a company plane, but today the idea feels distinctly gauche. You'd never, for example, peg a 20-something Tinder CEO at keeping six jets in the hangar. You could. Who wrote this? This is awful. You could totally imagine. You could totally imagine, dude. Yeah, imagine man. Using Surfair, however, which offers Spotify-like subscription model. The Californian airline lets you fly anywhere you want for just two and a half thousand pounds per month. Uh, do a couple of business class trips, and you'll already break even. The Uber of the air. Sick of the hassles of keeping your own Bombardier in the hangar? Fly someone else's on a cut price ticket. Apps like Victor offers on-demand charter flights you can tailor to your needs, while Stratajet keeps prices low by filling up empty legs. Those are the empty leg seats, uh, the empty seats after a private jet has flown well. If those seats, you could knock off to 75% of the original charter price. Uh, another airline, VistaJet, invites you to pay out sixteen thousand dollars an hour. Sorry, sixteen thousand euros an hour to fly wherever you want, whenever you want, at the drop of a hat. That sounds like a lot, but if you spend more than a hundred hours a year up in the air, it's still way cheaper than owning your own private jets. What's more, you benefit from in-flight perks like fancy food from Nobo, onboard library created by uh, Hayward Hill, and crew trained by British Butler Institute. Mm. Mm, there's only one more paragraph. Let me finish this off. If we've learned anything from Uber, the flight is only sorry. The fight is only just beginning. Just as we're phasing out car ownership in favour of ride hailing, you can expect that aircraft sales continue to drop year on year. In our digital world, we are placing less value on owning luxurious stuff and more on enjoying enjoying luxurious comfort and convenience. If it can be wrapped up in a digital package, all the better. What's more, while few challenges seem capable of truly rivaling Uber, there is still plenty of space for innovation in the sky. So there, we go. there we are. 
think Skype. Now, Pippa, are you still a big fan of Uber? Yeah, I am. Just started using it recently. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Okay, because I, I, I this. yeah, yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, it hasn't. It hasn't. So, do you think that there is a a marketplace for an Uber in the sky? Well, what they're talking about here is not an Uber of the sky. You can't just call up a Jeff and it turns <laughs> up on your door ten minutes later. Pip, come pick me so up. A bit of, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if I've had four or five, you know, too many G&Ts on a Saturday night in the local pub and I need to get home quickly, there's not going to be an app that's just going to have a, a helicopter drop into the pub <laughs> car park and take me home. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. But there, there it does seem to be something for every um, sort of uh, price range, if you like. Um, uh, what, 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 they what are about finding s- ways to, to, to use these jets for... Um, I still think I still think it's out of most people's price range. I was going to say I, I think for, it's out of the range of someone like me, yeah. me who's barely on minimum wage. Well, I mean, it's just like let's say let's say you wanted to go to Paris for the weekend, a boys' weekend to Paris. Okay, yeah. let's say six or seven of you. So EasyJet, that's a hundred pound return. Okay, well there's EasyJet on one end of the scale. You could probably okay. get um, you know a crappy old Citation Bravo or something to fly you down there for a couple of grand each way. I expect. Mm. So you know, split between seven of you, or eight of you, perhaps. Yeah. It's not crazy money, is it? Well, and it's luxury. Suppose, it's yeah. luxurious, isn't it? I mean, it's gonna. It's far greater well, than anything that you're gonna get, sort of, you know, from a private point of view, isn't it? I mean. I don't know. Personally, I would. You'd be more comfortable on an easy jet. I mean, eight people right. in a small. Yeah. A small okay. jet is not yeah. comfortable. <laughs> is there a toilet on board that uh, that jet? Because you know, with all that beer and stuff, it might oh, be. Oh no. um... uh, yeah, well maybe. If there's eight people on board, there may not be room for beer. <laughs> so yeah, but there's lots of things going on there. There's this idea of selling empty legs. That's interesting. Uh, so you know, when a, a private jet's done the flight and it needs to return back to its home base without um, any revenue on board, then they're selling off those empty legs. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. If you, you know, if there happens to be a jet going to or near you went where you want to go that's um that's mm. worth utilizing perhaps yeah not something we're, we're getting involved with at all this is you know this is all um yeah. the other end of the market if you like yeah so the next story is on the cnbc.com website and the headline u.s airlines get heat from passengers over snowstorm cancellations mm. now those of you who live in the u.s will uh, will know obviously because you you, you actually get snow uh, as opposed to the three flakes and a, and a slight bit, uh, bit of frosting that we get here in the UK. <laughs> uh, but they still shut our airports down. So the uh, US airlines cancelled thousands of flights ahead of Tuesday's blizzard in the northeastern United States. But the weaker-than-forecast storm left some passengers complaining about the preemptive strategy that was too drastic. US airlines cancelled nearly 6,500 flights on Tuesday, according to tracking service FlightAware.com, a move aimed at a avoiding costly delays and passenger inconvenience. Uh, uh, it uh, says here, I do believe in uh, in some cities this was overly dramatic. Patrick Fryer, a 24-year-old whose flight to Chicago from his home in St. Louis was ca- uh, delayed due to fallout from the storm. Uh, I can 100% tell you there was nothing going on in STL for us to sit on the tarmac for over an hour. Major US carriers scrapped all or most of their flights at three New York area airports, LaGuardia Airport, John F. Kennedy International and Newark Liberty International in preparation for the storm. The cancellations were prompted by National Weather Service forecasts on Monday of up to two feet or 60 centimetres of snow. My God, that's more than we've had in the last 10 years. <laughs> um, 
in parts of the northeast. It scaled back those predictions on Tuesday for places such as New York City, which was due to get between four and eight inches of snow. Uh, Adam Johnson was stuck in Philadelphia on almost uh, a two-hour flight delay for his flight back home to St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, and he said he blamed the meteorologists for the scare tactics, announcing 12 to 18 inch totals, he said. Scrapping flights ahead of, uh, ahead of hours of storm lets an airline reallocate planes and crew earlier, meaning fl uh, fewer flights and passengers cancelled in a uh, storm as a storm passes. Cancelling early also spares travellers unnecessarily unnecessary trips to the airport and gives them more options to rebook uh, when faced with last minute cancellations. He says safety of all employees and customers is at the top of the list. United Airlines spokeswoman Erin Brenson said, proactively cancelling the flights allows us to give our customers advance notice and also get our operations up and running after the storms pass. But the strategy risks a ripple effect of cancellations and delays that may be bigger than necessary. Airlines also incur significant costs in rerouting and rebooking passengers, a factor that may have spooked investors on Tuesday. So obviously they obviously do get snow in the US, uh, unlike us here in the UK, but um, I'd imagine that most of our US listeners have been, been affected in some way by uh, some kind of cancellation of a flight due to snow. I think I... Well, this snows all. Sorry, this snows all relative, isn't it? We we occasionally get a good dumping of snow, but it's not every year. Certain parts no. of the United States get a good dumping of snow, and it's you know every year, and it's fairly predictable. These passengers are complaining about you know two-hour delays that they need to take a reality mm -hmm. check. No airline is going to willy-nilly just cancel flights. Firstly. It may well have been driven by the airports themselves who have simply said to the airline operators you need to reduce your schedules by 25 50 75 100 percent we are not going to be open tomorrow what do they expect the airlines to do go well we're going to come anyway let's see you know you know let's have you know pistols at dawn see who can you know win the peeing competition <laughs> at the end of the day if the meteorologists are saying it's going to dump down snow, yeah. well, then the airlines would be negligent if they went, ah, to ignore well, we'll just it, yeah. go and see, shall we? You know, yeah. let's you know, see how let's many airplanes we can put off the side of runways. Yeah. Let's see how many delays we can cause by, you know, having airplanes in rivers instead of, you know, parked up and waiting <laughs> for the snow to be dealt with. Well, indeed. These people just need to get a grip. Yeah. So how many, I mean, just to put it in perspective, Al and Pip, you know, how many, how many times have you guys been delayed uh, in the last, what, two months we had some coolish weather here mm. at all, if, if at all, or any? Pip? Come in, Pip. Um, yeah, I'm here, trying to think, not many. No, flying no, out of the UK. Many. I mean, delay-wise... Um, well, we had Storm Doris here in the UK. That was a you know a short-lived event. So um, I, I think I, my flight in the middle of Storm Doris was delayed by about 45 minutes or so. Um, with regards to sort of snow and fog, you know, delays can get up to sort of two hours or so, and occasionally you know have diversions. But you know, this is a function of the world that we live in. It has weather. You know, we do not have aeroplanes that you know can land in four foot of snow mm. you know we don't have aeroplanes that can fly through hurricanes and even if we did the passengers probably wouldn't want to be on those aeroplanes so let's work with what we have 
and accept it. And yeah. sometimes there are going to be delays and cancellations. Yeah. But, you know, that is the nature of the planet that we live on. It is, yeah. Actually, uh, in the chat room here, uh, welcome to Lane Street, which is a the name is the first time I've seen it. Uh, so welcome, Lane. But uh, it said spent 30, they said spent 36 hours at ORD would have been much more comfortable if I'd never have left home. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I can understand that, and, and candidly, when we get stranded at airports, quite often all the hotel rooms have already been taken. Yeah. But you know, I mean, thirty-six hours is is quite a long time, and I can understand that you've been more comfortable at home. Uh, that was part of the reason for cancelling some of these flights was that it would keep people mm. at home and not risk, you yeah. know, travelling to airports in thick snow and all the rest of it. It is about you know risk mitigation mm. at the end of the day. Aside from you know, the fact that the airlines will want to operate flights whenever they can because that's what they make their money off. You know, the airlines lose money when aircraft are parked up. Yeah, this is it. I mean, again, going back to the chat room, uh, uh, Jen Niffer was saying the people complaining about cancelled flights would be the first ones complaining if the flights weren't cancelled and they got stuck at the airport. Mm. Uh, and also uh, Richard King was saying, best to be on the ground wishing you were up there than the other way around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And someone called Carlos has put down that he loves the snow. Duh, did he? Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who he is. I've never heard of him. So moving on to the next story. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you say snow, oh. Carlos, you're not talking in like the street talk here, are you? No, no, <laughs> Al. No. Certainly no. not. We live in a very, very rural part we of the world, rural Al, as you well know. I have no idea what you mean about this street talk rubbish. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. Moving on, yes, that must be me. Uh, to must the be me. Journal. It's got Ryanair in the title. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, the, the journal.ie is the website, and the headline is A Man Who Slips and Fell Down Ryanair Plane Steps at Dublin Airport Loses 60Ks in this 60, is in euros 60,000 euros uh, damages claim wow excellent news that's what I like to hear a 75 year old uh, co-killdare man who claimed he had been seriously hurt when he slipped and fell on steps leading from a Ryanair plane has seen his 60,000 euro damages claim dismissed against the airline Andrew Walker counsel for Ryanair told the circuit civil court today that <laughs> Simon Betson had sued the airline one day outside the two years in which he was allowed to take a claim and has and, and was now statute barred oh that's interesting so it's because he put the claim in too late mm. by the sound of it walker who appeared with maples and colder solicitors told the court that betson should have issued a summons under the montreal convention which governs the international carriage of uh, passengers by air and imposes a specific time restriction. He told Judge Jacqueline Leanne that uh, the uh, the convention stipulated that the um, sorry the contention sorry the, con the no it was convention sorry stipulated that the right to damages shall be extinguished if an application was not taken within two years. Walker said that the alleged in accident, which had taken place on the steps outside the aircraft, had happened on the 26th of November 2013, and the time for issuing legal proceedings ended on the 25th of November 2015. He said the civil bill in which Betson of Gled Clearing in, in County Kildare claimed damages for personal injury against Ryanair had been issued on the 26th of November 2015, a day outside the two-year limit. Betson's proceedings alleged negligence against Ryanair in that he had slipped and fallen while walking down steps as he disembarked the aircraft at Dublin Airport. He had been able, with the assistance of other passengers, to make his way 
to the terminal building where he began to feel very unwell. Cleaners had alerted airport staff to his predicament after they had attended to him. Uh, he returned home. The symptoms worsened and he attended his GP on the 2nd of January 2014. Peter Lennon, a solicitor with Maples and Calder, stated in an affidavit that both the 1999 Montreal Convention and the Statute of Limitations Amendment Act 2004 imposed a two-year limit on the issuing of a personal injury summons. He said that not only was Betson's preceding statute barred, his claim was now in fact extinguished uh, pursuant to Article 35 of the Convention. In February 2016, he had called for Betson solicitors to discontinue proceedings. Counsel for Betson claimed that the two-year limit should only run from the time his client had discovered he had been injured to the extent that he required to seek compensation by way of a personal injury summons. Uh, Judge Lea Leanne, sorry, <coughs> Judge Leanne said clearly that the Montreal Convention applied to Betson's case and it followed his claim was and it followed that his claim was statute barred. The convention made it quite clear that a person cannot have a recourse to any domestic remedy in common law. Now, I, I'm, you know, I mean, it's obviously a bit of a sad story. We don't know if he would have actually been successful with his claim if it had gone barred. But surely, if you have had an injury of some description and you are going, why would you leave it till the very, very <laughs> last minute before you do you think he's, proceedings? Do you think he slipped on some place? snow from the last story? Yeah, possibly. He might have slipped on some actually, snow. Actually, Al, just, just in all seriousness, Al, what, when when we you know deplane and get off the aircraft, when is it not the airline's responsibility to to be looking after us anymore? You know the That's air a very stairs. Good question. I mean the air stairs are obviously owned by the airport. So once you step off your uh, Royal Jet aircraft onto the steps, you're then not under. Right. You know, well, there's two different things here because remember that you've got air stairs, you've got steps, and you've got an air bridge or a jetty. So the air stairs uh, and Ryanair have these uh, on their aircraft are actually part of the aircraft. So they, they come out from underneath the door and form, form a, uh, a stairway. Then you've got steps, uh, which may be owned by the airport operator, may be owned by the handling agent, or indeed may be owned by the airline. And then you've got the, the air bridge or the jetty, which is almost certainly owned um, by the, the airline. Sorry, uh, by the airport, rather, excuse me. Um, in answer to your question, I honestly don't know uh, when your contract uh, effectively ends with the airline and their duty of care uh, then terminates. I mean, obviously, there will be some sort of transition, and I don't actually know when that is. Uh, thinking about it, when uh, Royal Jet disembarks passengers, we say to passengers that, um, you know, we pass you now into the care of our handling agents who are X, Y, Z. So I suspect that legally, uh, once you've got off the aeroplane, so if that's onto steps or the air bridge, then you are no longer the legal responsibility of the airline. But that's only an assumption. That's not a uh, any legal advice for anybody. But yes, it's a sad situation. Obviously, the, the, the passenger hurt himself. That's not good. Mm. Um, Further sad is that his legal advisors weren't up to speed, and you know, two years is quite yeah. a long period of time. Mm. But why wouldn't? You, why would you leave it so late to start proceedings? If you if you do genuinely feel like you've got a valid claim, why why would you leave it right to the wire anyway? I mean, well, one possible factor here is that um, if I heard rightly, the the passenger was age seventy five. Yes. Mm. So. Um, 
So without being disrespectful to the gentleman, you know, 75 olds aren't necessarily um, thinking with regards to compensation. True, yeah. Uh, because they come from a different generation, a different culture. Mm. Um, we're much more now, uh, you know, litigation orientated. Yeah. You know, many of us have grown up in that, you know, where there's a pl blame, there's a claim, claim kind yeah. of <laughs> culture. Yeah. So uh, it may well be that, relatively speaking, the the passenger didn't see fit or didn't think that he had any claim against the airline and has mm. got into conversation with someone and said, oh, you should claim, you should claim, you can make millions. Yes, absolutely. Um, and <laughs> then possibly, not. you know, a, you know, a uh, set of lawyers or or who are more familiar with sort of uh, motorcycle accidents and that sort of compensation uh, got involved and not necessarily being up to speed on aviation law and uh, mm. the Montreal Convention is quite a well-known uh, piece of information to anybody uh, so, so, so possibly uh, the moral of this story is make sure you get a decent lawyer then who knows well, who yes. knows the rules uh, indeed so while you're there Al your uh, your story is uh, the next one then on the Birmingham Mail dot UK mm. website oh right okay um Talk amongst yourselves then whilst I locate that one. Okay. <laughs> You're right there. Have you got no, wind? Sorry. No, no. <laughs> Just wait. I drew a picture of Matt right. while uh, while Al was rambling. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Let's have a look here. Okay, hang on. I, I was trying to work out what it what it was actually. Uh, bear with me it's a moment. Matt. Sorry, I've got a mind. It's a lovely, it's a lovely picture. Hang on. Get hang on. Matt's, Matt's now going to put that uh, large screen. Yeah. Okay. Hold it there. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear lord hang on a second we'll pop that up for what oh, there we go for the uh, for those of you in the youtube uh, chat room you can see the lovely photo or the picture i should say that uh, pip has just drawn <laughs> of matt did i accidentally leave that up that up for far too long for him to, or have you done that from memory pip <laughs> <laughs> i tell you, you you can tell what pip excelled at at, uh, at school uh uh pe pe yeah yeah <laughs> so anyway carry on uh, al yeah, I've got the That'll story. Be worth a fortune one day, that will. Yeah, will it? I look forward to the <laughs> I, I, I'm going to sign it for you as well. Thank you very much. What a treat. Yes. No, don't, don't devalue it, Pip, please. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right there. Are you right, Al? Yes, yes. I'm he's, trying he's, to sort out the he looks like the he's, from this story. Yes. He uh, looked, okay, it's from the Boeing and Mail, and uh, the headline is Monarch Flight, which aborted takeoff, suffered technical fault, airline confirms. Okay, well. Right. And then the sub subtitle is Passengers Terrified Over Early Morning Drama. Uh, this isn't written by some ex-TV uh, star. Anyway, um, a monarch flight which aborted its takeoff at Birmingham Airport suffered a technical fault, the airline confirmed. The drama happened aboard the 7 a.m. service to Malaga on Thursday. A traveller said that the front of the aeroplane was already in the air when it came to a sudden emergency stop. That's only the front of the aeroplane stop. The rest of it carried on, seemingly. A Monarch spokesman said Monarch Flight ZB970 operated from Birmingham to Malaga today experienced a technical issue during takeoff at Birmingham Airport. There's a lovely picture of a set of steps and a fire truck. Oh, I suppose you want to see you you want to see them, do you? Oh right, oh blimey! <laughs> you want me to do my job properly? How rude! <laughs> um, so then it goes on to say the aircraft returned to stand safely, and all the passengers were transferred to another aircraft to continue their journey. Clive Shotton, who was on board the flight, said passengers were told the engine had overheated. 
Hmm. Speaking from the plane, Clive said, We were due to leave Birmingham Airport for Malaga at 7am on Thursday. But as the big plane began to take off, we suddenly came to an emergency stop. And that's all he had to say, apparently. Um, that's when his phone battery ran out, I would imagine. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so there you go. Aeroplane has technical fault and stops. Outrageous. And it's not just a stop, though, Al. An emergency <laughs> stop. So uh... An emergency stop, yes. Yes. Maybe um... someone flipped a piece of paper on a highway code against the right. windscreen. Okay, good. Okay, there is always that. Now, forgive me Forgive me for the naivety here, because we all know I know yes, enough all about aeroplanes. Uh, I'm very familiar, obviously, with the, you know, the, 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 the coach driving that I do. I'm very familiar with what a uh, um, emergency stop is when it comes to the world of, uh, you know, motoring. Um, yes. What is an emergency stop in the world of aviation? How does one bring uh, a large aircraft such like what you fly for Royal Jet, uh, how does one bring, what is an emergency stop when a, a vehicle like that is involved? Okay, well, we have uh, several ways of stopping the aeroplane on its takeoff roll, um, and they all work in combination with each other. So we have brakes on the wheels, uh, we have spoilers that come out on the top of the wing uh, that act in two ways. First of all, they spoil the lift. So, as you appreciate, the wing is designed to produce lift, so lift the aeroplane off the ground. So, when the spoilers come up, it spoils the lift and causes the weight of the wing to go back down onto the ground, making sure that the wheels are nice and firmly on the ground because the brakes don't work in the air. The brakes on the wheels, once the aeroplane's in the air, they are no use to anybody. Yeah, because they kind of like wheels only. Yes, that's right, Josh. They are like wheels only. <laughs> true. They don't work in the air, do they? No. No. <laughs> so, and then obviously um, we have reverse thrust on the engines. So if we're doing our takeoff roll and we see fit to come to a stop from a fairly low speed, then we'll just bring the engines to idle thrust gently put our feet on the brakes and the aeroplane will slow down quite nicely. So anything up to sort of, I don't know, 60 or 70 miles an hour, you can just use the, the brakes in a nice gentle stop. Uh, Lena suggested that one way of stopping an Airbus apparently <laughs> is by throwing the anchor out of the window. I don't know if that's, um, if that's a legitimate technique. <laughs> uh, well, it, it kind of, there's, there's a few issues there. First of all, you've got to find a window that opens. Okay, right. <laughs> okay, yeah. Then, of course, you'll have had to have paid the excess baggage fee for, oh, that for the anchor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fair enough. It's a couple so, of flaws in the argument then. Yeah, yeah. and... <laughs> then there's a fair chance that if you're holding on to the anchor chain, if yep. we're going fast enough, okay, yeah. you will also leave the aeroplane at quite high speed. Okay. No, fair enough. And okay. the rest of it will carry on All in right. whatever it into us. Okay, it was a facetious comment but that I threw get, out. You but, know, getting, but, <laughs> but, but getting back to the seriousness of the story, Al, Oh, okay. So for our takeoff performance, one of the, the speeds that we calculate is our V1 speed. And that effectively is a decision speed. It's the speed that we are now going too fast to stop and remain on the runway. Right. So regardless of what happens, we will get airborne. And that, yeah. that speed is a function of environmental uh, factors such as you know wind, temperature, pressure, uh, and then there are other elements such as the weight of the aircraft, because as you can appreciate, uh, the heavier it is, the more stopping energy it requires. Um, so that's that's the speed that we have at V1. So once we've reached V1, we are not stopping. So 
when we're going reasonably fast, so say 120 miles an hour, we will cancel the takeoff by selecting reverse thrust, so full reverse thrust on both engines, or if you're lucky to have a three or a four engine aeroplane, on all engines. And when you select reverse thrust, the aeroplane knows that you are abandoning the takeoff. So what it will do is it will automatically apply maximum braking to all of the main wheels. There aren't any brakes on the nose wheel, just on the main wheels. And the aeroplane has an equivalent of uh, ABS, so it uh, will prevent the, the wheels from skidding. And when you've selected reverse thrust, automatically the spoilers come up as well. So when you decide to abandon a takeoff, all of the braking systems come into play at the same time. And it stops quite quickly. I bet. But I'm guessing, though, um, after reading some of the reports on uh, our Aviation Herald and that, Al, after you've had a, a stop situation like that where you brought the aircraft to quite a, an immediate stop, you have to have the brakes checked afterwards? Yeah, I mean, the brakes will get very hot. Um, Matt, on your coach, do you happen to know um, what sort of hydraulic pressure you have available to the brakes? Um, um, well, it's difficult. I, 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 I'm, I'm not really figure. sure... The, the the ballpark figure there's up to ten up to ten bar because it's got it. Hello, you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we got Miami Rick on the show then. The so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't so know. I'm trying to think. What, I'm trying to think what bar is in psi. That you've uh, I, got don't me now, but, I don't know. Uh, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not. It's, uh, anyway, the, the point I was trying to make. I was hoping you were going to come up with a figure of psi. Yeah, but okay. basically, on the on the Airbus. Um, the uh, pressure available for the brakes is 3,000 psi. Right. So the the brake computers will apply all of that as long as the wheels aren't skidding. Yeah. Okay. ABS. So, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. ABS. Indeed. So uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, we do yeah. like a bit of technical. We do absolutely. Yes. Show, I'm exactly. not. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I I, <laughs> I. I don't know anywhere near enough about my. So if you if you want to sort of think about it in sort of figures and I'm going to quote off the top of my head without reference to 14 psi to a bar material. apparently uh, sorry 14 psi to a bar Richard King has just said in the chat room right and you said about 10 bar yeah, yeah. up to about 10 so, pi yeah yeah so 140 psi okay quite a lot then <laughs> yeah so so yeah quite a lot uh, we use 3000 psi wow right. okay morning. yeah a little bit more then yeah <laughs> so uh, and uh, so in so a very simplistic terms, a reasonably heavy A320 uh, will stop from about 140 miles an hour to a station restop mm -hmm. in about 150 metres. Wow. Which is not wow. bad. That's ridiculous. That's really given given the, the speeds and stuff involved, that, that is yeah. awesome. So as Carlos said, when you do that, so a very high speed abandon, mm -hmm. yes, the brakes will get hot. Uh, the brake temperatures will probably go up to in excess of 750 degrees Celsius or centigrade, mm. uh, which is flipping hot. Yes. And around about 800 degrees, the tyres will actually deflate. There's a fusible plug in the tyres that when they get up to about 800, 850, and of course this isn't an exact figure, uh, there's like a little wax plug that melts so that the tyres don't explode, they just yep. deflate. Okay. Um, yeah. Because obviously, last thing you want is it's exploding, exploding tyres. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so brake temperatures, yeah, they, they do get very hot. Um, uh, Airbuses have fans on the brakes, so when you've got the brakes quite hot, you can actually cool them down with the fans. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, um, what I would say 
in relation to the story in the Daily Mail is it is highly unlikely that the aeroplane had actually started to get airborne when they stopped because yeah. uh, they'll have passed the point of V1. Yeah, not but enough runway. Yeah. Yeah. the passengers aren't privy to the flight instruments. No. So as we accelerate, our body perceives that yeah. we're pitching up. Uh, stomographic effect, the little stones in our ears aren't able to process that rate of acceleration because we can't run that fast. We've not evolved to go that fast. So if you imagine that you were in a, a reasonably fast car, you close your eyes. So I suggest someone else drives for this experiment. So as a passenger in a fast car, you close your eyes and ask your friend who's driving to floor it. You'll perceive that you're being tipped up in your seat. You haven't actually got airborne in the car. It's just how our body perceives that acceleration. Well, so I suspect... Go it ahead. kind of depends on your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Absolutely. Actually, in the in the chat room, uh, Al, um, uh, Nelson's asked, it, have you got uh, steel or carbon discs on the Airbus? Um, yeah, uh, we're carbon discs. Uh, and they're very, very efficient, especially when they're hot. Yeah, I bet. They, work, uh, they have exactly as the same as the Formula One racing cars. You probably... Um, heard them saying that they have to you know warm up the brakes a little bit and get the tires up to temperature uh, well yeah uh, as carbon brakes bakes get progressively hotter so they become more and more efficient mm. and obviously there comes a point where they they overheat uh, which isn't great but uh, no they're very efficient uh, carbon brakes uh, so Myla the next story uh, is uh, is for you yes it's a story on the Flight Global website, and it's a picture story. It's about the Airbus A350-1000. It undergoes low-speed takeoff tests. So Airbus has been carrying out low-speed takeoff tests with one of the A350-1000 development aircraft as it heads towards certification later this year. The first of three A350-1000 test aircraft Mike Sierra November 59er has a tail bumper installed, enabling its rear fuselage to be dragged along the runway in trials to establish VMU, minimum unstick speeds. The test, which took place in early March at Istres in southern French, France helps to verify select and flap settings and performance criteria. Airbus is working towards certification of the A350-1000 this year to clear the way for deliveries of the stretched A350 derivative to begin in the second half of 2017 with Qatar Airways as the first recipient. The flight test trials involve a trio of Rolls-Royce Trent XWB 97-powered A350-1000. The third test aircraft Mike Sierra November 71 recently returned from cold weather trials in Iqaluit, Canada, where it was exposed Iqaluit. to... Iqaluit? Iqaluit. Iqaluit. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it was exposed to temperatures as low as minus 37 degrees centigrade during an overnight cold soak. The aircraft subsequently undertook high-altitude takeoff and landing test at La Paz Airport in Bolivia. I got exposed so they... to minus 37 degrees when I forgot my wife's birthday once. Right, <laughs> indeed, yes. 
Oh, I don't know. I'm very scared. Absolutely. I suppose Alice is one of these uh, one of these aircraft you're you're excited about being the uh, obviously the 350. Absolutely. I'm also very excited about the A330 Neo, and oh. I think Airbus are going to have a little bit of a problem on their hands because they're going to have two fantastic competing aircraft. Oh wow. Yeah, they've been testing this uh, 350-1000 with the... Uh, they've also done another cold test as well, like obviously on the picture there, Matt, put up on the screen, mm. where uh, the temperature... No, minus 37, and that is rather chilly, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I bet. So we were talking about lots of snow earlier. These aircraft are actually mm. built to uh, operate in, in very cold conditions. But no, something I said to Matt while, uh, while you were doing that story, mm. Al, this, uh, the engines, uh, the Rolls-Royce Trents on here, the engines are huge. They are yes, they are. They are, yeah. they are massive engines. Yes, it's only two engines, but they, but they yeah, might they as well huge. be four of them. <laughs> so if you huge. want to know how big they are, if you imagine a Boeing 737 fuselage, that will actually fit through That's the centre of a Trent engine. So you can put the fuselage through the Trent engine. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I've stood up in a Trent engine, and I'm mean, I'm five foot ten, so I'm not the world's tallest person. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, they, there's loads of headroom up there. Um, they are absolutely massive, Indeed. and generally speaking, very very reliable. Yeah. So the next story is uh, for you, Pip, and it's um, yeah, it's about an airport that you're you're used to, actually, Pip. Oh, is it my turn? Sorry, did we did we interrupt you there, <laughs> okay. Pip? Oh, ever so sorry. <laughs> is it a story about Luton Airport? <laughs> possibly could be. Yeah, possibly could be. Okay, here we go. This is from the Mail Online. And the Mail Online has so many embedded adverts that it's taking my iPad a few minutes to load up. Sorry, chaps. Okay, no, you're right. I should have been ready. Al's only been talking for four years. <laughs> there we go. <clears throat> Was it because I mentioned reverse thrust? Have oh, you got dear. that on the hawker? <laughs> we do. Actually, it's worth noting, our, you know, all our procedures are, are very similar. The systems are a bit different. But our reverse thrust... It's probably a bit better than yours, I reckon, because we've got the um, you've just got doors that slide open and it throws the thrust in the other way. We've got the clamshell type. You've got the old uh, style, haven't you? Yeah, the, the old style, which version. which have a, a very sort of big aerodynamic effect, that as well as reversing the thrust and you know sending thrust forwards, just these great big clamshell doors open like great big barn doors in the airflow, and just mm -hmm. those on their own without actually applying any reverse thrust are extremely effective at uh, stopping the aeroplane. So you, you've especially got really at high good speeds. Thrust. You've got good thrust oh. when it comes to reversing it in. Oh, can we move on, gentlemen, please? <laughs> I'm very afraid. Pip, please, please dig us out of this comedy cul-de-sac. Yes. Right. Al, you're on your first warning. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yellow card. Oh. <laughs> I'm amazed we've got right. to this point of the show and he's only had one, frankly, so I suppose so, we should so be grateful for that. what you're saying, Pip, in all seriousness, is that um, when you use reverse thrust at high speed on the Hawker, it stops really, really quickly as well. Yes, essentially, it's, it's extremely yeah. effective. I mean, reverse thrust is generally effective at uh, high speeds. It's not particularly good at low speeds, but it's particularly good on the, those aerodynamic type reverse thrust. I think Jeff's probably got clamshell type uh, reverse thrust as well, does he, on that old ancient mad dog? He'll tell us in the chat room, no doubt, <laughs> Absolutely. if he's still awake. <laughs> Moving on. Uh... Anyway, anyway, right, I have control. Excellent. What Everyone... a frightful thought that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yes. 
Here we go then. I can wait all day. No. <laughs> go on, Pip. Carry on. Ever wondered why your suitcase goes missing? Outrage as baggage handlers are caught on video hurling luggage from an EasyJet plane onto the runway at Luton Airport. Luggage oh, handlers. Luton. Oh, what a luggage oh, drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where else could this possibly happen? <laughs> Luggage handlers at London Luton Airport have been caught on film hurling suitcases from an EasyJet plane like rubbish bags onto a waiting truck. <laughs> oh Passenger Jonas Zolins recorded the reckless workers unloading the bags and cases from a flight on March 13th. In the footage, the two men stand on the back of the truck, which will eventually transport the cases across the runway to the airport terminal. Scroll down, scroll down, past all these adverts... Uh, they are seen hurling the cases, carrying precious souvenirs and gifts onto the back of the truck. Some of them even crash, seemingly unnoticed, onto the runway below. It is understood the baggage handlers work for a company called Menzies Aviation, who have contracts for this work at most UK airports. Luton Airport told the Mail Online that the contract was awarded by EasyJet. Um... Jonas uploaded the video with the caption, Idiot. Oh, okay. He followed really? it up with the comments. Yeah, yeah, I, this, Jonas, this okay. Jonas guy is obviously very articulate. Yeah, indeed, yeah, clearly, yeah, absolutely. He's your typical Daily Mail reader, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he followed it up with the comments, This sums up well some of the worst. Hope these idiots get kicked in the face and then fired. Oh, splendid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Seems fair. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yes. It has been viewed thousands of times and attracted hundreds of comments from other outraged airline users. Uh, one wrote, Idiots is putting it mildly. Well, if their managers see this on YouTube, they're going to be absolutely outraged because you can get far more cases on that truck if you stack them up nicely. <laughs> yes, I mean, that, the that's the problem no with this story. Yeah. Suitcase. If you fold things up nicely, you can get a heck of a lot in it. If yeah. you just try chucking it yep. in and then putting your yep. coat on the top and then standing on your suitcase, bouncing up and down to try and get the locks closed, well, you know, you get everything that you ask for, really, yeah, don't I you? I mean, you know, I mean, that's why we have you on the show, Al. It's always to ensure that we have sound advice uh, in regard to, to uh, you know, what, what's occurring, really. So, uh, yes, any, those of you I, who've been watching on I, YouTube, more of, I can't, I've been I playing the video. I didn't watch These the video. These boys want to go and work for Amazon. They know a bit about packaging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Right. What, what, do you, what do you think of that video, Marla? Did you, uh, did you watch that, then? <laughs> yes, I did, and I was... Not quite surprised, but I did think it was very bad um, company policy to just. Yeah, I don't think it's company like policy, to be fair. Because, right? you know, we all know that, that baggage handlers throw the suitcases around. Yeah. I mean, it's just common knowledge, but doing it in front of everyone yeah. and that carelessly, mm. that's just bad company yeah. policy. And I think their manager should address them. I I I think almost and that is why will, yeah. that is why when when we we travelled to uh, to Paris l um, last month yeah. I, when they said can you put your hand your hand luggage case in the hold because we've got yeah. not got enough room no was my answer mm. unless you want to buy me a new camera and yeah, lens absolutely so, yes. um, can yeah. I have it up front please yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely so uh, yeah <laughs> anyway so that was a bit of a shocking video it I was. thoroughly it was enjoyed that yeah, um, so up, do, you, do you want a uh, slight digression on the uh, the baggage handler story oh, go on. Short one go on we arrived at uh, use Swissport at Manchester 
and they have a uh, baggage handler. He's not a baggage handler, he's a supervisor who used to work for the Moscow State Circus. And he was absolutely brilliant at juggling and doing acrobatics. And his party piece was to get a traffic cone and to do a one-handed handstand on the traffic cone. Really? Right. <laughs> okay, that's that's unusual. Yeah, which take, and uh, many a passenger used to sort of be quite, well, amazed at seeing this guy just, you know, on doing a handstand on a traffic cone. And unfortunately, the, the health and safety police caught up with him one day uh, and they fined him for, um, for, uh, for misbehaviour on the apron. Yes, <laughs> but he was a really, really talented guy when it came to doing those sort of things. He didn't look excessively strong, but you can imagine the amount of strength that you have to have. And he's quite a big guy. He's a sort of guy in sort of my sort of frame. So to be able to do a one-handed handstand on a traffic cone was uh, quite a feat. Yeah. And I just pointed out for all the prospective Jets customers out there in the chat room, do not use me. Okay, we we, we, we can't get a word of that. I'm afraid. What, what we actually, what we can heard... I just point out that you need a better quality broadband in your yeah. hotel room. <laughs> what what we heard then? Uh, Pip, I know. Was yeah. it, uh, Stop using the free one. Pay for the premium one. <laughs> yeah. You will get the bandwidth. Pip. Yes, I know it's going to cost you ten pounds. <laughs> oh, no. But Plain Talking UK will pay out on that invoice if you submit your claim. Ooh. Is what? that so? In that case, I, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I know nothing. I know nothing. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so moving on to <laughs> the next story, and uh, I've lost where we are now. Yeah, um, this is. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I think it's your uh, go. Is it me? Yeah, I think so. Is it me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Perhaps it, it is me. Yeah, it, all right, it's, it's me. It's the Saab 340. That's it, yeah. So uh, the next story... Oh, blimey. I'm all, all <laughs> off kilter now. So the next story is on the Flight the Global... The news is going well, isn't it? I know. Yeah, it's going really... Next story is on Flight Global's website. <laughs> okay. And uh, th- uh, this is a uh, recent story. It's a bit, bit, uh, bit worrying as well. And uh, we've got pictures as well, which Matt will pop on the screen. We shouldn't be doing stories from last year. Should well, we that's, it. that's very good, <laughs> Al. Very good, Al. <laughs> so glad we got him on the show Indeed. this week. Indeed, yeah. You invited him, don't you? I know. That's because I missed. I did miss him. I did yeah, oh, oh, Blario crosses the channel. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a picture story, and Matt will put these pictures on the uh, Willy on okay. the YouTube stream. <laughs> so the the Willy. headline, the the headline. No, oh, don't start, say Willy. No. <laughs> oh. Can I mention the hotel chain in Holland? No, you can't. <laughs> now. Right. What hotel chain is that, by any chance? <laughs> It's, it's gone quiet. I know, I turned them off. Oh, you turned them off! <laughs> I'm doing quite well with Hilton. Have I mentioned Hilton recently? Yeah, no, oh, no, yeah. I, I've never heard of them. Anyway, so the, something the, about a picture Hilton, story. Possibly the finest hotel chain in the world. Splendid. Right, no. okay. <laughs> Is somebody asked for a free upgrade? It is there. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> getting on. Uh, the the uh, story on Flight Global and the head. This is a serious story, you lot. I'm trying. Come on, honestly. I'm really trying. The, uh, the, <laughs> the headline then, Rex Saab 340 lands safely after losing a propeller. And uh, this was sent in to us as well by quite a few people on Facebook as well as uh, as a link. Uh, the Regional Express Saab 340B has landed safely at Sydney Airport after its right-hand propeller came off whilst operating a flight from Albury. Uh, pictures on social media show the aircraft registered uh, Victor Hotel November Romeo X-ray on the ground at Sydney on the 17th of March, missing the whole propeller assembly on its right-hand General Electric CT7 turboprop engine. 
Uh, reports indicate that the aircraft was around 10 nautical miles from Sydney when the propeller sheared off, forcing the crew to declare a pan before landing at only a pan before landing at Sydney. Uh, Rex confirms that the event associated with the aircraft's right propeller assembly occurred during the flight, and the crew followed standard operating procedures, and the aircraft landed normally and on time at Sydney Airport. Oh, well done. Uh, the operators also confirm that there were 16 passengers on board and three crew members who were met by ground staff upon arrival but did not require any further assistance. Uh, Rex is continuing to investigate the incident and has notified the Australian Transport Safety Bureau, the ATSB, and the Civil Aviation and Safety Authority of the occurrence. The ATSB says in its own statement that it is deploying a team of three investigators well, uh, with expertise in materials for t uh, failure engineering uh, recorded flight data analysis and human factors. It's also called on members of the public in the Sydney area to contact them or the police if they find any subs, uh, subs, uh, suspected debris from the aircraft. And uh, this was uh, actually this was sent in to us by Ray Davis. So thanks to you, Ray, for sending this in uh, to us today. Uh, so yeah, quite. A, a disturbing picture. I don't think this is the first time this has happened to a, a SAR 34. I'm pretty sure we had an incident like this um, some years back. Mm. But uh, yeah, only a pan. I would have thought this would have um, been a been a mayday. Or or am I no? Al Pip. Oh. And that wasn't some actual audio from no, the no, event. Indeed. No, that that would be Pip's phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, so only only a pan for this one, then, uh, uh, Alice. Never, never mind a maiden. I think I might have had to have a new pa pair of underpants for this particular scenario. Yeah, well, indeed, yes, absolutely. It's not so much that it's not so much that the propellers come off. It's it's where it went to. I mean, they were very lucky that it didn't slice through the aeroplane. Mm. Now, Pip, you've you've flown the King Air, I think, haven't you, before in the past? And the uh, Beach 900. Or the, or the Beach, a, yeah, which is a, a twin. A, fat, a bigger, uh, bigger King Air, but yeah. Yeah, it's a twin prop, Al's though. Turbo props as well. Have oh, you yeah. flown the yeah. Star, Al? No, I flew the Jetstream Forty One, a gentleman's aeroplane. Right, yeah. So, would this end, yeah. the, this would would have been quite an uh, uh, worrying experience then for a, for a pilot to have lost quite a substantial part of an engine in like this? Al, it would hello. Race <laughs> going, yeah. Um, yes, I mean to to be perfectly honest, there's a whole uh, raft of issues. I mean, first of all, you know. Uh, when the propeller blade or the indeed the whole propeller comes off, um, yeah, I mean they were lucky that it didn't slice through the aeroplane. Uh, then the, the fact that you've got a, a jet turbine engine that doesn't have a propeller attached to the front, so there's a huge risk of that thing, you know, overspeeding and, mm. and blowing itself up. Uh, which obviously they were lucky that didn't happen. Um, yeah, there's going to be a fair amount of startle effect. I think it might be a few more than the seven seconds that's uh, quoted by the psychologist as being the startle effect. Um, but yeah, once you've kind of got your head around the fact that you did have a propeller and you did have a working engine on that side and you haven't anymore, well, then it's just back to a normal sort of single engine affair. And candidly, if you're in a two engine aeroplane and you're down to one engine, then it is a mayday. Um, but I'm not going to criticise the guys if they felt it was just a pan. Perhaps it's a regular occurrence in their outfit and, you know, <laughs> you just get used to it. You know, just perfectly standard operation. You know. I suppose the other worrying thing as well is where that propeller um, assembly went. When yes, it came where did the it land? Yeah. 
hits you on the head, I'll tell you that now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I it, can imagine, yeah. Uh, either that, or it's going to make someone one heck of a good ornament for their front room. Yes, um, yes, you know, yes. You'd if, be very excited I, I would, yeah, in your I, back garden. I yes. would struggle <laughs> to hand that particular item back in. Right, um, okay. Personally, yes. but, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. guessing someone It may will. not resemble much of a propeller by the time it's fallen several thousand feet and hit no, the floor, possibly not. of course. There is always that to it. So, yeah. Matt, the next story is... Uh, yes, okay. You. Is this the Flight Global one, is it's it? A, yeah. It is, yeah. It is. So Actually, okay. no, we're going to leave this one for Al, aren't we? Because this is especially for Al. Okay, Al yeah. can go next. Al, fine. Al you yeah. can take this one, Beans, as you're, you are the chief Airbus pilot here. Okay, yeah, no problems. It says receive 3,000 bonus Avios points when you spend £500 <laughs> on your first three months of card membership. Apply now. British Airways American Express credit card. No, no, that's right. one of oh, that's got, one of uh, Nev's I've got pop-ups. Two in there. I've got the BA plug-in and American Express. So maybe I'll get a watch and a free flight out of that. Okay, good. Uh... <laughs> What's so anyway, going back, no, back to happening? the back to the story on Flight Global. Okay, yeah, Flight Global. Um, it comes out of the Ops and Safety section. And it is uh, published on the 16th of March, 2017. Just checking it's recent. Okay, okay good. Well done, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, you've killed him. Sorry. <laughs> German investigators... Uh, you put this in because it's got the word probing in, aren't you? That's why you've chosen it for me. Oh, Carlos, you're such German a child. investigators are probing <laughs> oh, the no. short landing by a high-fly Airbus A330-200 at Cologne have disclosed that the jet's descent rate increased after its autopilot was disengaged. Investigation Authority, BFU, I'm glad that it's just the initials Get, and not the careful. whole spiel. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. In an interim statement said the jet, Charlie Sierra Tango Quebec Whiskey, touched down 21 metres short of the runway threshold, damaging runway lighting. The aircraft had been conducting a night arrival from Reykjavik to runway 32 left. The much longer parallel 32 right having been closed, it was obviously having a nap, but was unable to accept satellite-based approach and requested a non-precision approach with radar vectors. Now there's something quite interesting because the satellite-based approach would have also been a non-precision approach. Anyway, I digress. Three pilots had been in the cockpit at the time. Um, where are they now, then, if they had been? Um, presumably they've not <laughs> run away. And the monitoring pilot, uh, this being a fourth or just one of the three, difficult to tell, confirmed visual contact with the approach lights, after which the tower gave landing clearance. BFU analysis of the flight data recorder, black box, showed that the approach had been automatic from 2,200 feet at an airspeed of 128 knots, with a descent of around about 500 to 750 feet per minute. As the aircraft reached 690 feet, the autopilot was disconnected, after which the inquiry says the rate of descent increased to 895 feet per minute. Mm. On receiving an automated call-out at 30 feet, one of the crew members said, we are getting slightly low. Right, well, at okay. 30 feet, yes, you are getting low. Yes. Anyway, the third pilot on the jump seat noted that after landing, the precision approach path indicators, Pappies, had shown four red. That's not as bad as four green. If you're in four green, all you can see is the grass between you and the Pappies. Anyway, um, suggesting a descent... 
far below the glide path, while the other two pilots had seen at least three red rapid lights. Oh, they were having a peeing competition. I saw four, you only saw three. Hey! Anyway. It's that Irish sketch. It's the Yorkshire <laughs> sketch, isn't it? You were lucky. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Weather conditions at the time of the landing on the 18th of September last year had been poor, with reduced visibility and light rain. Well, it's Cologne. It's usually like that. BFU (laughs) states that the captain told investigators that the approach had been stable until about 200 feet above the ground, at which point vertical corrections were made to the flight path. He also said he was aware that the available runway was short, with an available distance of 1,691 metres. Pushing it, boys, pushing it. (laughs) And that was wet from the rain and he wanted to ensure that the aircraft was deliberately put down firmly well yeah if you land in the mud before the tarmac it will slow down quite quickly right. yes okay yes who needs air brakes hey VFU uh- <laughs> <laughs> says the left hand main landing gear touched down 20 meters before the threshold and the right hand 15 meters before Okay, well, either the the aeroplane was banana-shaped or they were going slightly (laughs) sideways. Indeed, okay. Uh, It doesn't talk about how much of a crosswind there was, so we can't really work out that. The right main gear stuck, sorry, struck a lamp and sustained tyre damage. Uh, Well, yeah, Pip sustained some damage when he struck his lamp earlier. Uh, Indeed. Oh, that's it. That that is the end of the story. Okay. We all survived. I'm very pleased. They hit a... A lamp, and they sustained some tire damage, and they were trying to land on a 1,700-meter-long runway. Okay. Uh, well, that's not going exceptionally well for them, has it? <laughs> Everything was fine up yeah. until they started messing about. That's true, yes. Um, which I suppose could be lessons and or advice in life, uh, let's be honest. Uh, okay, and that uh, we have one story left then, which is uh, uh, a... a a top ten, I'm pleased to say. So, a couple of top tens. Yeah. Oh, is it? Is it two top tens? It's is it? two okay. top tens. Is it? I know. Well, it's okay. going to be really generous. Know. So we right. have got we have got two top tens then for uh, the last story of the show. The uh, well, the last one, the commercial segment, I should say. Uh, the first top ten we've got is oh, the world. We're military, aren't we? Oh. oh, only a couple. Don't worry, Al. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the they're grey and noisy. Yeah. The first, <laughs> oh. the first uh, top ten we've got then is the world's worst airports, according okay. to eDreams, All quite right. a big company. And the second uh, top ten we've got is the world's worst airports to sleep in. Okay. I don't think I ever really <laughs> wish to sleep in an airport. No, indeed. Although not, I'm not intentionally. Anyway. Some people do. Can have we the, do the, the, the top ten world's worst hotels to catch a plane from. Okay. You'll have to you'll have to compile that top ten right, list. Okay, we'll leave it with so you. So we shall are we? we're gonna start yeah. then with uh, with the top the world's worst airports according to eDreams.com. Okay. Right. Um, so if you've got some music we'll 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 fire away one each. We'll start at number ten. Yes. Okay. Alright then here we go. So we're going to kick off then <laughs> with our top ten, and in at number ten it's Paris Orly. Okay, who's going to go next? Me. So go on, Emila, number so, nine. Um, number nine is Paris Charles de Gaulle. <laughs> so come on, Emil, number eight. Number eight, Berlin Tegel. <laughs> and at number seven, Pip. Come back to me. Okay, come back okay. to it. Okay, <laughs> so number seven, it's 
It's uh, a special one here for Jenny. It's Rome Ciampino International Airport. Okay, good. In at number six, someone. Myla. Lima. Oh, Lima. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's you. <laughs> Lima G. International. <laughs> uh, in at number five. Al? Yes, Poppickers, it's Brussels South Shower <laughs> Airport. Yeah. Entry. At number four. <laughs> Pip? Come, come it's back. It's New York John F. Kennedy Airport. Uh, at number three. At number three, it's New York LaGuardia. Number two, Myla. It's London Luton. Yeah, the, the best FA in the world. And favorite. finally, Come in on, at Al. number one. Come on, Captain Al. It's the top of the pops. It's Berlin Schoenfeld. Good. <laughs> Excellent. That was, um, that was emotional. Everyone. That was good. So we've got one more <laughs> top ten to do. So Matt's got... Uh... Oh, well, you're not going to make me do it again, are you? Oh, I, I need to ask a question. This What's is that? the world's worst airports based on what? Um, uh, according to a website, wasn't it? Oh. So this this is the world's worst airports that uh, should be avoided. They were uh, well, they were uh, awarded points, and it's for. I'm just going reading through the story here. Oh, Matt's just getting the Sorry. music ready again. <laughs> so this is based on the facilities, restaurants, uh, waiting areas, and uh, all the bits and pieces they have on offer for uh, passengers waiting for uh, flights. That's okay. what that was based on. Well, apparently they had a poll with 65,000 travellers. Wow. <coughs> Which is quite a few travellers. That is Someone quite a few. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got the uh, we've got the top ten then of the world's worst airports uh, according to sleeping in the airport. So these are the world sleeping in the airport. Yeah, this is the world the top ten of world's worst airports to sleep in. So right. okay, so here we go again then. <laughs> <laughs> in at number ten. So at number ten, it's Kathmandu Tribhuvan International in Nepal. Splendid, good, so lovely. Pip, number nine, come number on, Pip. Nine, number nine. I don't have the story open. Okay, splendid. Okay, Myla, well number well eight, well please. please. <laughs> <laughs> Myla, number nine. Number nine, Number sorry. nine, London listening end. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Al, number eight, please. <laughs> yes, Poppickers, don't try sleeping in Caracas, Simon Bolivar International in Venezuela. You'll be in for a poor night's sleep. Indeed. At number seven, please, Carlos. <laughs> it's number seven. It's Crete Heraklion International in Greece. Uh, Pip, any chance with number six? Number no, five, even? Okay, Myla, number <laughs> six. Right. Well, apparently Greece has really bad bets because on number six, it's Chania International. Splendid. Captain Al, number five. Oh, yes, Greece, another one. Santorini, Torini, National. Don't try sleeping there, pot pickers. <laughs> At number four, please, Carlos. At number four, it's Tashkent International in Uzbekistan. And in the I vain hope on the final go, Pip, by any chance? Yes. Up two places at number three, it's Port Harcourt International Airport in Nigeria. At number two, please, we'll throw that to the lovely Myla. Yes, you'll better pull an all-nighter at Juba International South Sudan. And finally, to the legend that is Captain Al, the final one in at number one. Yes, Pop Pickers, take your own bed to Jeddah's King 
Abdul Aziz International in Saudi Arabia. No sleeping accommodation available there. Take your own kit, folks. Splendid. And that's where we bring the commercial <laughs> section to a slightly oh, that was fun. I'll tell you, you what. Do that... the other top ten. Which There's one's three that? Top 10s on that article. Oh, oh there is a third one. one. Oh, oh, should we just? Oh, let's just roll with it. The inconvenient airports. All oh, right. The world. Okay, no, these are the world's yeah. most inconvenient. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise there was three top tens in it. Oh, yeah. Dear. These are the airports that are furthest away from their their parent city. Okay. Okay. So the <laughs> airports okay. furthest away from okay. their parent city. So. So. <laughs> here we go again. Minute. Hang on. Hang on. Sorry. I can't oh, reset it that quickly. Okay. Here we go then. Um. I've broken. I've broken it. Hang on. No. We're on it. We're on it. Here we go. All right, then, for the final time, ladies and gentlemen, in at number 10. At number 10, 68 kilometres from London, it's London South End. At number 9, please, Myla. Oh, look at Hamburg, 78 kilometres from Hamburg. Uh, number 8, please, Pip. Okay, uh, new in at number 8, it's Dusseldorf Wiesn Airport, 83 kilometres from Dusseldorf. And Captain Al, number 7. Nowhere near Barcelona, it's Girona, 98 kilometres from Barcelona. Uh, Carlos, number six, please. So, 100 kilometres from London, it's London Oxford Airport. L Oxford has a London airport? I know. <laughs> In at number five, please, Myla. 108 kilometres from Stockholm, Stockholm's compass. And uh, pilot Pip, please, it is number four. Yes, up four places to number four. It's an airport I've never heard of. It's Munich West at 113 kilometers from Munich. Captain Al, please, number three. Number three. It's a long way from Oslo. That's what they say in Torp. Oslo Torp, 118 kilometers. Nowhere near Oslo, folks. <laughs> Captain Pip, please. Or Captain Pip, I'm not giving him a lot great. Pilot Pip, please, at number two. <sighs> Okay, quite literally nowhere near Frankfurt. It's Frankfurt Hahn Airport, 126 kilometres away. And finally, for no other reason than he's so good at it, Captain Al, please, the number one. Yes, Popickers, it's top of the charts. 212 kilometres away from Paris. You could even fly there from Paris. It's Paris Battery. <laughs> There we oh, are. Does, any, does anyone actually know where Paris Vatry Airport is? I mean, 212 <laughs> kilometres from it's, Paris. It's a long way away from <laughs> Paris. Yeah, absolutely. And they said Tipperary oh. was a long way. Well, well they've indeed. never been to Paris Vatry, no, have they? they have not. No, <laughs> Actually, Amar Akkad in the chat room has put, so all the airports that are served by Ryanair. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Probably true. Uh, <laughs> and Tony, actually, Tony... Tony it has S. to be pointed out that Schiphol's runway 36 left is 470 kilometres away from Schiphol. <laughs> to Tony S in the chat room has, has put that he often flies into London Glasgow Airport. Okay, right. <laughs> London Glasgow. <laughs> wow. Oh, they, I tell you that. Okay. But yeah, but they do. They, they're naming all the airports yeah. and the whole of the UK is London. Mm, London well, Saint Ben. I know. London, I know. 
I mean, you know, we are literally going to have London Norwich yeah. Airport yeah, I know, soon I know, on the East I know. Coast here. Uh, look, so, anyway, we're <clears> rapidly <throat> munching through what little time we have left. Oh, I dear. can't believe it's already this time. It's 10 to 9 already. We, we haven't even started the military yet. Uh, we're, what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we uh, move in, I've got a little question that I'm going to ask to our wonderful guests, if that's all yes, right. Well, and uh, this one came from um, Abu, if uh, my memory serves, he says, because he now can't get it to come up again. Uh, and the question was basically to the... Oh, you can get tablets for that. Yes, thanks for that. You're a great help. I've got, I've got one of these new iPhone things. I'm struggling with it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Abu yeah. asked a question in a chat room earlier for, uh, for our wonderful guests we have yeah. on the show this and evening. And he said, uh, can I ask all the guests if they have an aviation role model, uh, someone who actually inspired them? Al. Um, yeah, Pip is my role model. Yeah, whatever. And okay. your real role model? <laughs> Um, yeah, being serious, I did put this in the chat room actually. Uh, that's my dad. Uh, my dad Aww. would have been a fantastic uh, airline pilot. Uh, were it not for the fact that he, he has a, a colour blindness and uh, that precluded him from uh, a commercial career in aviation. Uh, Pip, you? Yeah, I do. Um, at school, back in the very early 90s when the first Gulf War was, uh, was kicking off, there was a gentleman called Flight Lieutenant John Peters who was um, shot down and, and captured by the Iraqis and, and tortured and whatnot. And he wrote a cracking book called Tornado Down, and I was very taken with that and uh, had a bit of a crush on Flight Lieutenant John Peters. So, uh, yeah, he inspired me somewhat. Very good book if, uh, if anyone wants to read it. Tornado so we save, uh, save the best to last end, Myla? Well, I don't have one singular person that I really admire, um, but I... I I do really admire my instructors and all the experience they have, so I try to look at them and see what strengths they have and what, you know, what they can teach me, and I try to just use that to maybe become a better pilot and one day teach other people or train other people. Oh, oh that's good. Isn't oh, it? very nice. Mm. Well done. Okay, what we're going to do then, we're going to take a very quick break, and we're going to do that in the form of some lovely feedback that Ooh, was sent to us we have. by the wonderful Jenny Parkinson. So brace yourselves, everyone. It's time for a little Ooh, message the sound of Jenny from voice. Jenny in Rome. Hello, this is Jenny in Rome. I'm just phoning with a little bit of feedback about uh, a trip I made to England last week from Rome to uh, England. I, my mother lives in Norfolk, not far from you, Carlos and, and Matt, actually. But unfortunately, I didn't have a car available to come racing over to buy you a pint. But next time, I'll definitely do that. Anyway, all went very well. As I say, I, I flew with Ryanair, who, who's, which is really my airline of choice because of the price, but also because of the fact that uh, Ciampino Airport is much nearer to my house than the other Rome Airport, Fiumicino. And it's a smaller airport, but perfectly efficient, and so it's quite quick when you leave and uh, come back. And uh, anyway, it all went very well. One thing I noticed, however, I decided not to sort of pay for any priority boarding. I had the seats assigned um, by the system, and that was fine. And now with Ryanair, you can take your cabin bag, but you can also take a handbag, which makes it much easier. So if you prepare yourself beforehand that uh, your cabin bag, your, your small suitcase, is okay to go in the hold and doesn't have anything precious in it or whatever, um, if you're at the end of the queue to board, they come by and they put um, ca uh, gate bag stickers or something on your bag and you just leave it by the aircraft and then pick it up 
at the baggage reclaim the other end. And that's quite good if you're going, well, it's good for me that you don't have to, uh, you know, lift these things and cram them into the the bins on the on the plane. But also at the other end, you can, you've got the six mile walk from the Ryanair gate to the baggage reclaim area without having to lug your suitcase along with you and did the same thing coming back just held back to the end of the queue and they come by and ask if you would like your bag to go into the hold which is which is so much better and since you have an assigned seat it doesn't really matter if you get on last so that's a little tip if anyone wants to try that um, both flights were were fine and I looked up the the numbers of the aircraft and they were only both of them, they were only a year old, so that was quite uh, encouraging. And uh, had a bit of a laugh at one moment when they came by with the uh, the cart with the drinks and things to eat. The lady in the seat behind me, I heard her say, Excuse me, do you have any peppermint tea? And I thought, yes, well, good luck with that. But anyway, the guy said, uh, uh, No, madam, we only have black tea. At which point she said, well, could I possibly just have a cup of hot water then, please? And without blinking uh, an eye, the, uh, the guy said, sorry, madam, we can give you a cup of hot water, but you'll have to pay for the tea. And uh, I understood by that that they must have some kind of accounting system in the galley, whereby according to the number of cups left, that's, you know, how much money they should have or something. But anyway, so there you are. You know, be aware that there's no peppermint tea on Ryanair. I have to ask Nev if British Airways has peppermint tea. I expect they do in, in business class. And uh, and so that was that. Uh, no, no other news here, really, except that we're waiting anxiously to hear about Alitalia's future. It's in a very bad way again and losing money all over the place. And... I think just in the next few days a new industrial plan will be announced. So let's hope they come up with something viable with that. Don't hold up much hope, to be honest, on uh, past performance. It doesn't look very likely, does it? Anyway, well, I'd like to say thank you to Matt and Carlos for your wonderful show, which is uh, my absolute favourite. Always enjoy listening to it. When I can, I like to come into the chat room, but it it always seems to be just the time when I'm having to prepare dinner or prepare lunch. So I'm sort of I quite often listen to it, although I can't actually join in the chat bit. Keep up the the good work, lads. And you asked about what you should do for your two hundredth episode. Well, I I think I calculated it through, and it's going to be in the middle of winter. I really think you should have um I don't know either a pre or a post celebration at a time of the year and somewhere where people you know might might like to come I don't know September or, or one of the one of the air shows or an air museum in the UK that people could come to because that would be really nice and you could just record it and then play it on your 200th episode or something anyway just a thought bye for now then Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com.
The Plain Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> Wow, a special thank you then to Jenny. Oh, hello. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, uh, bit of shameless promotion there from Pip. <laughs> okay, good. I, I thought but, we were doing the advert. Yeah, we are. So, yeah, no, as I was saying, we, we do keep. I should just say we do keep asking Captain Captain Jeff for an advert, but we we never get oh, no, one. We never get so one. They need to make us a pr- do, promo yeah. ad. I'll tell you what. As Steph is in the chat room, I shall throw it to her. Can you get you guys to do us a proper advert? That would be awesome. Yeah, We'd like the PC PCDU yeah. guys. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, no, thank you very much, Jenny, uh, for sending us that yeah. uh, feedback. Very very kind of it. And mm. Jen, see, Jenny's. A, a good provider of audio feedback to us mm, you see we need is. we need more people like jenny to send us yeah, some audio definitely. feedback for the show uh which we can play on and then you can hear yourselves on the show mm. and uh yeah, right, she... it allows the guest to be able to have a snack doesn't yeah. it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. mile has been tucking yeah, into her grazing yeah absolutely grazing on her crisps. honestly, honestly. <laughs> nom 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 yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> so we have got a couple of uh, military news stories yeah uh, just the two. two just the two don't worry al yeah uh, to get through, so yeah, I would if, like to keep it under two hours. If, if everyone's can, ready, right. let's uh, Great, kick off. Noisy, some... dull. <laughs> can't go on them. Can't book a flight. Poor, poor Jonathan Warner's crying right yeah, now. Absolutely, poor Jonathan. Here we go. So anyway. let's go with some military news. Here we go. <laughs> Just as well, I turned the microphones yeah, is, down there. Yeah, I dread to think oh. what's going on. Uh, so the first uh, story then uh, is on Flight Global site. Boeing secures three point four billion dollar deal. Boing. 
for the for 268 AH64E Apaches, something we have flying over Boing. here all the time. So uh, I'm going to turn your microphone off in a minute, Al. Of the 268 aircraft, 244 will be remanufactured and go to the U.S. Army, while 24 newly built rotor aircraft will go to the international customer, says Boeing in a statement. Boeing's statement did not specify the international customer, but it was announced in June 2016 that the Qatar would uh, buy um, the uh, AH-64Es through the U.S. government's foreign military sales mechanism. Fleet's analyzer uh, indicates that Qatar is the only international customer that has spe uh, specifically ordered 24 AH-64Es. Boeing adds that this time it's uh, it's the first uh, it's the first multi-year deal for the E variant of the AH-64 Apache, and. Uh, the Boeing adds that 15 countries so far operate the AH-64 and that seven international customers have ordered the E-Variant. This is something we have flying over an east coast here, quite a lot, the Apaches, because they're based at Watersham, which is mm. not far yeah, from not where far we are us. here in East Anglia, mm. and they've got a base there. So is there. that a case of if you buy a helicopter, you get some E with it? I mean, surely that's not legal, is it? I mean, we know about, you know, bribery and sort of and corruption within military contract dealings, but, you know, giving drugs away to the, the, the armed forces, that can't be good, surely. And moving on to the next story, and okay. uh, uh, yeah, Matt, this is for you. Oh, okay, on, is it? All right, okay. Yeah, uh, so it's a quite a good website, this one. Yeah, I've not heard of this. This, this will amuse Al, no oh, doubt. No. It is the Cumbria Crack uh, is the website, and the headline, he says, moving on, hopefully, uh, <laughs> RAF puts so, it... So we've gone from E to crack now. Yeah, we're, we're absolutely. We're getting into the hardcore stuff Oh, very now, much so. We? Yeah, well, it is the military at the end of the day. People have to concentrate. Uh, RAF puts its full force behind <laughs> the air tattoo, moving on reflecting its close relationship with the Royal International with the Royal Air Force the Royal International Air Tattoo has confirmed that this summer's flying display will feature some of the service's most iconic air aircraft including the world famous Red Arrows the world's uh, premier aerobatics acrobatics no 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 aerobatics display team will once again colour the skies over Fairford with red white and blue on all three days of the air tattoo the 9BAE systems Hawk T1 slash T1A jets which comprise the renowned Red Arrows will perform their trademark combination of close formations and precision flying under the leadership of squadron leader David Montenegro. Uh, also joining the, the flying display lineup will be the RAF's leading multi-role combat aircraft, the Typhoon FGR-4, capable of being deployed in the full spectrum of air operations, from policing and peace support through to high-intensity conflict. The Typhoon shows the enormity of present-day UK air power, displayed by Flight Lieutenant Ryan Lawton of 29R Squadron at RAF Coningsby. The incredible agility and power of the Typhoon is Set to thrill spectators. Taking a step back in time, the RAF's Battle of Britain Memorial Flight will display two of its most famous and successful WW2 aircraft, the Lancaster and the Spitfire, as it celebrates its 60th anniversary. A regular and hugely popular inclusion in the recent air tattoos, the heavy bomber and fighter aircraft will evoke memories of Britain's aviation history. This summer's air tattoo, which is the 14th to the 16th of July, will pay special tribute to the US Air Force 
on its 70th anniversary, having a distinct American theme with a special performance from one of the world's most popular display teams, the Thunderbirds. The Royal International Air Tattoo is staged annually at RAF Fairford in support of the RAF Charitable Trust Early Bird. Admission tickets are available until midnight on the 2nd of May, starting at £34. All under-16s go free to buy tickets or for more information about the aircraft participating at this year's show, please visit www.airtattoo.com. So we won't. We uh, unfortunately, me and Matt won't be at the uh, air tattoo react this year. We're uh, we are going to miss that this year. Somebody's on holiday. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> someone's forcing me to go to Malta for two weeks, oh. so I shan't be uh, at the uh, the Royal mm. Air. Yeah, disappointed. Well, yeah, I do because I. I I enjoy the show. Mm. I actually do enjoy React. It's a brilliant show, and the guys there, they do look after us mm. actually really well. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's also where the photo was taken for our caption competition was, as well. Yes, indeed. Which, I uh, might you be going yet. We haven't, quite, we haven't quite sort of worked out the logistics, but I might. Yeah, Matt be, might I might actually go. be going on my own, which would be a bit yeah. weird. But anyway. But uh, we have do. got quite a few other air shows lined up for this year, which me mm. and Matt will be attending. Mm. And not uh, and including as well, don't forget Pittsburgh as well, mm. which is coming up yeah, in May. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's the last of uh, the military show. But, but so uh, before we kind of uh, close things down tonight, let's have a little uh, ch- catch up with uh, the lovely Myla. What uh, what you've been up to, Myla? Have you been have you been flying, or have you uh, been uh, got any kind of uh, exciting things lined up for uh, for the future? Well, I haven't been flying as much as I would like, but I have been tra- uh, training a lot, and. Um, I'm really to a point where I'd like to start applying for jobs and see if I can find my way into the right side of an airline. So maybe Excellent. that's something. That's the kit. Start getting those application forms out there, and you know the, the the doors are opening. They really are now. Absolutely. So hopefully this summer, or you know, maybe earlier, I'll be doing something fun. But we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, definitely for sure. Make sure when you uh, when you do this, you uh, take some pictures and put the uh, put the pictures or send some pictures to us, and we'll uh, we'll put them either on Facebook or Twitter, can't we? On our Twitter mm. feed, that'd be nice to see what you're getting up to, Myla. Indeed, absolutely. And whilst I'll we're talking about whilst we're talking about Myla and very special things, a little yeah. birdie told us that we've that got yeah, it might be somebody's birthday on Monday. Monday, I, yeah. I heard a little rumour. So I suppose in true PTUK we style, should. we ought to sing a little song, really, hadn't we? So yeah. uh, if you're ready, then Carlos, everyone can join us in the chat. They room. can indeed. So. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Myla. Happy birthday to you. Hip hip. Hooray! Thank you. Only the that one hip hip. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, Marla. I hope you have a lovely. I hope your day is full of all the things that you love to do. Flying, yes, flying, yeah, flying, yeah, lots flying. of flying. Lots of flying. <laughs> Absolutely nice. Have you have you, uh, have you got anything exciting planned for Monday then, Marla? Have you got to go to work? Which is boring. well, not not Monday specifically because I have to go to work. But mm. tomorrow, my friends are coming over and we're having a little bit of a birthday party. And on Sunday, I'm going into the simulator to do some training. Oh, yeah, so that's, the best, that's the best birthday, birthday present ever. That sounds good to me. Can't beat a bit of stimulation. Oh, dear. <laughs> my, my. Um, what, what simulator is that, uh, Myla? It's the 73400. 
Bong. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, it's full flight, <laughs> and we're gonna have fun. We're an all girls crew, so um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It's me and two other girls, and uh, we'll see. It'll be fun. Well, and, and hopefully, maybe after the the sort of simulator sort of excitement, there might be time for a you know a, a swift half with friends. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plenty of drinking going on. Indeed. No. Yes. Good luck with all your uh, with all your uh, training of bits and pieces, Mila. Let's hope uh, <laughs> let's hope you're flying us in uh, in the seven three sevens at yeah. some point. Uh, Captain Jeff, Captain Jeff says in the chat room here, the sim would be the last place I'd want to be on my Actually, birthday. Actually, do you know what? <laughs> while we've while we've got while we've got Alan Pip on here and obviously Jeff's in the chat mm. as well you know all the podcasts I listen to and stuff the pilots Captain Nick uh, yep. Jeff uh, they always say how much they hate the simulator days when I have to go and I mean I would love if someone said to me come and have a go in a simulator mm. for the day I think it's slightly different in your case though Carlos because it doesn't you know the result of the simulator I, test well, don't decide it, your future in is aviation it, is it that bad Al that <laughs> yeah, you just Carlos, dread going in the simulator if you had to do it, Carlos, every six months for three or four days and be tested and examined and put under pressure, I, it gets kind of old. Mm. Carlos, um, you've got a driver's license, haven't you? Well, I've had one since I was 17, Al, yeah. That is debatable. Right. I'm uh, not gonna how lie. do you remember your driving test? Were you pleased to be doing it, or <laughs> did you see it as a pain in the backside? No, mm. well, I failed the first time, because obviously all great okay. drivers fail the first time. Um, pass the second time. But no, I enjoyed it. I thought I'd, I'd right, go and okay, take another so one. If you had to be, if you had to go and have your driving test done every six mm. months, how would you feel about it? If it was free, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I but know, but you, you, how would you feel if, uh, if say, like you went for your driving test next week and you failed? So they said, right, well, you, you can't drive your vehicle, mm. and you're now out of a job. Mm. I would probably cry, I suppose. Yeah. 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 So and this that, is the that's, thing. That's, yeah. Typically, why my most pilots generally have a kind of love-hate relationship mm. with the simulator because there's quite a lot of pressure involved in it. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily know what you're going to have thrown at you in the simulator, mm. and candidly, there are very few pilots who will say that they know everything that there is to know about their aeroplane. Um, so they're quite high-pressure situations. You're getting tested on stuff that you haven't done for six months or more mm. um, and most people who come over it just breathe a sigh of relief and go okay well that wasn't so bad I've got another six months before I have to put myself through that again yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with them I always learn stuff in there and mm. that's good and fortunately Royal Jet have a very pragmatic approach so they tend to train with a capital T and test with a small t but ultimately they are a test and just like doing your driving test, if you were to fail, it's disappointing. Indeed. Yeah, I see. I do see your point. Jeff, Jeff, the, uh, Captain Jeff in the chat room actually he said that uh, he did point out quite rightly that, uh, you know, if, if I was in the simulator, I'd be playing. Uh, whereas yeah, not, it, you know, uh, yeah, being not, evaluated. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the big difference, isn't it? It's uh, Actually, when you're, when you're in the simulators, uh, guys, do you, do you ever kind of have a, a sort of downtime where you can just sort of do what you want, you know, sort of crash, yeah, crash sometimes. the aircraft? Um, yeah, or, I mean, um, the problem is, though, that um, the the examiners will always say, okay, boys, this is total non-jeopardy, this is ju just a bit of fun. Um, but oh, you wow. know that crashing's going to be bad, so you can only push that fun so far. Uh -huh. And is there anything truly non-jeopardy? Well, I'm not so convinced. 
I mean, our guys are very, very good, but the scenarios that they give you, realistically, you're in a in an airliner, so you should be able pretty much to get it onto the ground safely in one piece, regardless of what the scenario is. So a few years ago, we were given a double engine failure over the Alps, uh, and it was just purely, have some fun, boys, uh, but Geneva's just down there, just to let you know. Okay, so, right, <laughs> so it is kind of uh, difficult. One of the mm. things that we've been doing more at Royal Jet is uh, we've managed to get away from uh, uh, the sort of uh, regulator framework for sims now, and... Um, <laughs> You can probably see my co-pilot here having yeah, some fun. Yeah, Josh is um, having a laugh so, this time. Um, yes. So we're now doing a lot more in the way of, of, of training. Uh, and so one of the things that we did uh, as a pure training exercise was for resilience. And it was to take an aeroplane and turn the Airbus into a 70-ton Cessna. Right. So the idea was to go and fly it with no flight directors, no autopilot, no auto thrust. And uh, it was a flight from uh, London Gatwick to London Heathrow uh, for a, an ILS down to Cat 1 minima, so 200 feet and mm. 550 metres. Just done, just to see, you know, and to prove to yourself that, yeah, with all of the, the automation that's available, you know, gone for whatever reason, yeah, you can still fly the aeroplane. You know, it's still an aeroplane, even though it's got the Airbus down the side of it. It's a bog standard aeroplane when you get rid of that automation. And that was actually really good fun. Mm. So just uh, go and fly go the aeroplane. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, obviously, I presume the experiences in, in the, the simulator that you're in, uh, Pip, uh, yeah, do you get any sort of fun time with them? I mean, is it, or is it just sort of you're there to do a job, get, get evaluated and get out? Yeah, no, sometimes there's uh, time left over at the end. We've done a few silly things I've... Oh, let me see. We've flown under the, uh, the the bridge at Gatwick a few times. What? We sometimes play the helicopter game. Uh, what's the helicopter game? <laughs> uh, so you put the aircraft on the ground, you give it a, a 400 knot headwind, <laughs> and then you just kind of fly it like a helicopter. So you, okay. you just kind of pull back on it and you hover up, and then you can use the rudders to, uh, you know, yaw. And oh, it's it's horrible actually doing that for five or ten minutes. It makes you feel sick. Yeah, I bet. Um, oh. But we do other stuff as well. We do. Will, will your simulator let you fly inverted? Uh, well, obviously the thing won't actually go inverted, but yes, it will. <laughs> yeah, up to a point. You mean that's like... what I, I crashed into Gatwick? I was trying to do a loop, so we flew. Okay. Um, you know the the uh, the bridge that, that I big do. Yeah, yeah. Next, so we flew yeah. under at four hundred knots, mm. roughly, and then tried to do a big loop and go back under it again on the other side, but we. Uh, well, I dramatically crashed. So, so I just got, side of the loop. going back to a sort of slightly serious question here. I mean, presumably, depending on how the these evaluations in the simulator go, I mean, could you actually lose your 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 right to fly as a result of uh, you know some bad experiences in the simulator? Absolutely, your license could get revoked. Really, um, the mm. the examiners are there under the auspices of the Civil Aviation Authority, so. On the day that you're being examined, they're not actually representing the airline or representing the CAA. Mm. And if your standard uh, doesn't come up to scratch, um, then your license won't get uh, revalidated. Now there are obviously procedures to follow them for retraining mm. and so forth. But yeah, um, your your license uh, has a finite period of time. And uh, yeah, if you don't reach the required standard, then you don't get it revalidated. Yeah, I've never heard of that happening though. Usually, if someone fails a check, which does happen every so often, it will go to the company and they'll provide a bit of extra 
something and evaluate it and then do another go at the test and then it might go to some sort of um, put more money in the slot more money in the slot pip more money in the slot that's yeah Oh, I've, oh, sugar. <laughs> oh, God, I've, oh, do you know, everything <laughs> nipped up there for a minute this end. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you're crapping out. You're crapping yeah, oh, out, okay? So, so before, <laughs> oh, before, before Pip yeah, disappears into the ether. Is that, um, basically, I think this is what he's trying to say. Um, within the airline environment, obviously, uh, the airline's pilots are a commodity, and, and mm. it's obviously cheaper to retrain someone within than it is to bring someone from outside. Right. Yeah, so right. if a pilot within an airline is not coming up to standard, then there will be uh, a whole training policy in place to allow them to train to get back up to that standard mm. within the airline. So they'll stop flying on the line, they'll get some remedial training, if you like, and then be re-put up for examination. Of course, that's fine if you're an employed pilot. Mm. There are obviously a lot of freelance pilots out there who aren't in that position. If mm. they require remedial training, they're going to have to pay for pay it. Pay for it themselves, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no, I mean, candidly, the examiners, uh, you know, don't operate as uh, as henchmen, but they, you know, there is the the general public that has to be protected from pilots who aren't quite as good as who they aren't hitting be. the mark. Essentially, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's um, so yeah, it must be we, very nerve wracking. Before we uh, wrap up the show this evening, uh, we're going to just uh, just throw this out here. Did anyone see in the uh, in because this was sent to us as well? But I think one of the, I think it was Pip emailed it today, or Al, or someone. I think I can't remember who it was emailed us today about the circular runways. What? Someone's going round the bend. Yeah, indeed. They've, they, I mean, the story. I think the story was on the BBC website, and they've, they've act, there's actually some guy who's looking into having circular, circular run runways. That's got to be one of those spoof sites, surely. This oh, no, no, it's actually it's actually being funded by the European Union. I mean, I've got my my sidekick Batman here at the moment, but I think his arch nemesis, the Joker, must yes. have something to yeah. do with these circular runways because it's. I mean, I, I've not read into any great depth of the scientific bit to it but it's absolute nonsense yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean, if we're going to do that the easiest way to, to do that is to just convert the m25 into a runway and then yeah. we don't have to experiment anymore <laughs> as you do <laughs> so I mean, it's good to, it's good sometimes to think outside of the box but mm. you know I, I think someone's been sniffing something there yeah right okay something magical yeah, there's not, it's not, yeah. they're not going to take off then <laughs> no no these circular runways Indeed. That's that, off. No. Okay. Well, I did yeah, try. It, it was it was worth. Yeah, uh, no, that was the tumbleweed. Come of a round of applause. No, it wasn't. It was tum uh, it was a tumbleweed road. It, uh, that's it. I think we're going to bring the uh, the bring this episode. Really? Yes, okay. that's enough now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> where we're going to bring. Enough, yeah, we are going to bring uh, the uh, the episode one fifty six to a close of the Plain Talking UK podcast. We are going to thank our wonderful guests as always on the show this week. Uh, for coming on and joining us on the show. So thank you, uh, first Captain Al. Thank you for joining us this evening. You've been a legend uh, as always. <laughs> Boo! Yes, absolutely. Boo! What load of rubbish! And of course, a special <laughs> thanks to your co-pilot, obviously the lovely Josh. Thank you very much for yes. for popping in and keeping us all amused. <laughs> yes. And Much uh, to his uh, mother's despair. Never mind. All part of the fun. I mean, oh, you're going to plug in now, are you? <laughs> oh, oh, you <laughs> we, we let we let him off this week. We let him off this week, but uh, he he will be sending a segment in he next will, week. He will absolutely. So uh, thank you to uh, Pip. Do, do you want to do a little recorded segment for uh, Plain Talking UK so we can record that together? And Excellent. Send it in. I there look you go. forward. Well, to I tell it. you what we could do. 
Yes. What we could do is we're going to go on an aeroplane soon on holiday, aren't we? So after we've done that, maybe you could do a review of the flight. Yeah, do that. Yeah, Josh, wow. please, that'd be well amazing. Done. Yeah, definitely do that. So thanks to you, Pip, for joining us this evening from uh, your your five-star hotel you, there. Can you, can you tell the audience which hotel chain we're staying at? Oh, for <laughs> goodness sake. Hilton. Yeah. Apparently it's the Hilton. Is it the Hilton? Hilton. <laughs> it's the Hilton, isn't it? Funnily enough. Yeah. Ah, anyway, excellent. so plugs out of the way there. Yeah. So, uh, so just before you go, Pip, where can uh, where can we find uh, your uh, wonderful podcast? And well, when will the, your next episode be uh, coming out? You can find it at uh, com. The next episode, uh, whenever Al and I's schedule uh, mashes together. In fact, we're trying to get Mr. Smith himself Hello. onto the next episode. Oh, I look forward to that. Oh, dear. If you're, if you're still keen, Matt. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, up yeah. for that. Yeah, I must yeah. apologise. Uh, Pip and I had kind of loosely organised to do a recording tomorrow morning, and unfortunately I've got to go off and fly. No, nope. uh, okay. So I, I, I could... I've had to let him down gently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could Poor Pip. Manage tomorrow morning anyway, but maybe sometime early next week, Matt. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, we didn't quite catch up, but yes. Sometime next week, yeah. we'll be fine. Okay, but... yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I, I... <laughs> so, so, so. Anyway, Pip, we'll uh... <laughs> I'm so, so happy you've not paid for that internet connection. Oh, oh no, I'm hoping that's a freebie one. Yeah, and, yeah. and obviously, and as I said, saving the best to last. And big indeed. thank you to Myla for joining yes. us this evening. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Have, have super duper fun in that Boeing simulator, won't you? <laughs> I absolutely will. It's all raw data, so no automation at all. Myla, take fun. some pictures. Take some pictures, Myla. Take, take some pictures. Take Boeing. some pictures. There's two words that you seldom hear together. Not. <laughs> okay. Oh dear. Well, I'm inviting you over, and I'll show you then. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, okay. oh, hello. <laughs> I tell you what, you show me yours and I'll show you mine. Uh, okay, and on that bombshell, we're going to move on to the end of the show. Uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Slots. It's smoking jacket and slippers time, everyone, as we bring episode number oh, 156 yes, okay. to a close. Don't forget, if you are interested in a little bit of merchandise, our wonderful t shirts are now available for you to buy from yeah, Al's our got his shop. On. It Al's is www.here. Hang on, let me pop them. Well, there you go. Quick, yes, there it is. Look, he's got his logo on and everything. Uh, I, I presume uh, Pip is still b- grouting the bathroom with yeah, his. Yeah, Pip's still uh, grouting. <laughs> it's, so it is. They're w- very versatile, these T-shirts. You can wear them for grouting, gardening, yes. oil change on the car. Oh, and, no, you know, maybe not that. come up brilliant. Yeah, right, okay, good, yeah. I think that may be more down to the fabulous brand of Daz that you're using rather than something else. Anyway, uh, com forward slash shop. Uh, no, sorry, forward slash store, www.plaintalkinguk.com talkinguk.com forward slash store is where you can go Don't to buy your t- shop and store will you otherwise you end up with something entirely different yes okay um <laughs> anyway, I'm not so sure don't, forget to, uh, don't forget to check out the uh, check out the feeds <laughs> on Facebook to find out yep. when we'll be recording next, which will yep. be probably next Friday, next Friday as always. Moment, yeah. And uh, and also, as if Ofcom haven't pulled the plug, there on is you. always that high risk. And as indeed. we said yeah. earlier on in the show, uh, thanks to Jen for sending the feedback in, and don't forget we'd love to hear from all everyone all else of as well. Listeners. So yep, send absolutely. in some audio yep. feedback to our. Uh, yep. 
email address, which is... Indeed, it is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Our Twitter feed is at plaintalkinguk. You'll find us on there. And, of course, it's facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk. Now, Matt, quick question for you. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Does it have to be podcast at Plain Talking? Can you put anything before the No, app? it does actually no. need to be podcast at. So podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. I thought of you in advance, Captain Al. You see, that's what it is. Uh, so it must be podcast. So you can't put bottom burp No, you can't. No, absolutely. Okay. It will get rejected because... Um, Yes, as I say, I, I've, I've experienced people like Captain Al before, so uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the thing. Anyway, anyway, so drawing the show to a close <laughs> end, happening? thank you to everyone who's joined us in the chat room tonight, because there's been a huge amount of people it's been in the great chat room. It's yeah, been a absolutely. really, really good chat room tonight, so thanks to all you guys in the chat room for joining us. Big round of applause there. Yeah. Pips, pips on the soundboard. Yep. Oh, yeah, anyway. a, bit, a bit intense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and uh, we're going to bring the show to a close. So. Well, so from all of us here in the studio and online, it is goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.